You are listening to the Quarter to Three Games podcast. It's uh, it's early May, May 8th, I believe. My name is Tom Chick. My game of the week is not Minecraft. And uh, I'm Jason McMaster, and my game of the week is not Puzzle Swap for the 3DS. I'm Nick Diamond, and my game of the week is not Populous. Now, we I have a question for you guys that maybe you can or can't help me with. Who, which one of you jokers is playing uh, Prisma Drop on the iPhone? Not me. Uh, that's not me. All right. I've been getting challenges, so I've, I've been... Uh, I, this is ruthless of me, but necessary. I have been calling my Game Center friends list on the iPhone of anyone who's been blanketing it with uh, challenges from some game called Prisma Drop. Have you guys been seeing these? Am I the only? Is this just me? Am I being singled out for this? I think so. Uh, the only ones I ever get are uh, uh, Campus Life. So. Right, right. Yeah, the sorority game. Uh, which you're still <laughs> you're still playing that, McMaster. McMaster, what level is your sorority? Actually, I haven't played it since that one day you said that you bet I couldn't stop, and then I stopped and I deleted it. <laughs> because oh, so you, okay, so uh, you 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 never dated any boys or anything like that. No. <laughs> All right, because it's new <laughs> apparently. Well, whatever Prisma Drop is, for some reason, I keep getting challenges from people. And Game Center does a weird thing where when you friend someone on Game Center. It shows his or her real name. Now, a lot of the folks who are friends on Game Center, I kind of know maybe from the online community quarter to three, so I tend to know them mostly by whatever name they use on the forum or a comment section or whatever. So when I see that, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm just going to make up a real name. When I see that Bob Jones has oh. sent me nine challenges for Prisma Drop. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and that did happen. I, I literally got nine challenges from one person. I have no idea who the poor guy was. Um, so I'm immediately like, well, screw you, you know, Bob Jones. I'm unfriending you because I don't know what Prisma Drop. I actually looked at Prisma Drop first thinking, oh, maybe it's a cool game. I don't know what it is. It looks like some match three kind of thing or something. It's, it's free to play. I just got in-app purchases. So I immediately was like, okay, Bob Jones, you're off the list. So the hell with you and your university. That's what's <laughs> Oh, yeah, very good, McMaster. Right. Yeah. I don't know if, yeah, I, I was making up for all uh, the people attending Bob Jones University. I was just using that as an example. I would never remove Bob Jones from my friends list if he were on it. Uh, so three people, Prisma Drop basically led to me calling three people. I have no idea who they were. I called them by their real names. Um, but if they're listening and you want to be friends with me again, that's fine. Just promise not to challenge me to Prisma Drop anymore. Um, all right, so that's uh, iPhone news. I what were their names? Uh, Bob Jones um, and uh, Jesus Christ oh, and, and Terry right. Gilliam. <laughs> ah, that wow. guy's a dirtbag. <laughs> Two of the – well, you hate that, man. That, I don't even know how to respond to that. A little tear welled up when you call Terry Gilliam a dirtbag. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, hasn't Terry Gilliam been through enough without you piling on? Yeah. No. Have you ever seen Lost in La Mancha? Because, I mean, seriously. I know, the poor guy. The windmills blew down. What, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, by the way, what's the, the new Lost in La Mancha is that movie Jane Got a Gun. Are you guys following? I, I don't mean to, to get on too no. much of a movie tangent. Have you been following the absolute disaster of that production? No. 
So, like, uh, it got its director replaced, and it's got, you know, Bradley Cooper's in, he's out, Jude Law is in, he's out. Um, like, every week there's new bad news about this movie called Jane Got a Gun. It, it, you know what it is? It's the Duke Nukem Forever of movies. Mm, that's um, promising. Yeah. Uh, all right, but let's talk video games. So this week, I have a question, another question for you guys that does not relate to Game Center or the iOS. What do you call games like Minecraft and Terraria? Awesome. <laughs> but what uh, is there? Is there a name for the genre? What do you even call the Minecraft clones or what? What? Help! Help me out here. I, I don't want to. I want to stop saying games like Minecraft and Terraria. I, I need a name for the for the genre. Is is uh, there? Yeah, I mean, people will call them Dwarf Fortress clones. Uh, but at the same time, I, yeah, I don't know. Like adventure, I mean, but there's already adventure games, but like exploration adventure games, maybe. I don't know. Uh, McMaster, I think you're making these up. They're noble cra- attempts. Crafting games? I mean, because they're more like uh, a tale in the desert than anything else, you know. Nick, are you on board with that? Crafting games? It just sounds. Yeah, of- I mean, yeah, I would go with the. Uh, like survival crafters or something. I and of course, crafters. yeah. <laughs> and, and I think part of it is, you know, depending on which game you're talking about, they they sort of share some elements, but they play differently. Right. Like I, I wouldn't say Terraria is, you know, even discounting the 2D versus 3D, Terraria just feels very different from the others. Yeah, but I mean, I know what you're saying. It has like the same. I guess the big differences in Terraria is that there is like a sense of a, a basic accomplishment because there are goals. I mean, you don't actually have to do them, I guess, but there are goals. There, you know, I mean, there's an end boss in Minecraft as well, but Terraria feels more like a game than an exploration, though. A Wait. Lot of- McMaster, hold on. There's an end boss in Minecraft. Yeah. Oh yeah. What? Yeah. You guys are just you guys are just punking me. There's oh, no end uh, boss in Minecraft. All right, noob. <laughs> <laughs> There's really an end boss in Minecraft. Yeah. Yeah. What is he? A, a giant monster. There's a lot of stuff in Minecraft that's actually really cool that you would know about because you're a big Nance, but. <laughs> uh, well, I I just my my problem with Minecraft is it it just I I had assumed. Like, I didn't realize there were, like, goals and places. Terraria is very clear about letting you know, hey, you know, there's hell down there. You want to try to get to it. Uh, but I never got that sense, and I've played it very little. I never got that sense from Minecraft. I didn't realize that there was an end. Um, well, That's yeah. Well, what happens, and this is, like, the craziest, is you – it's a really long and uh, complex thing, but uh, – you go and you get like obsidian and all this different stuff, and you can make different. Like, you can make a portal to another realm that's like a hell realm. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And in there, and after, uh, after a while, I mean, I haven't really done it, Sarahs, but uh, you can create this portal and go fight what's called the Ender Dragon. And it's this giant black and gray dragon. In that realm, so it's basically like XCOM in that you go to another realm and you beat the boss there. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Nick, I mean, have you ever done I this? 
I haven't done it personally. Uh, I have not uh, fought the Ender Dragon, but uh, I, I have been to that world. You've actually been there. Oh, I have, yeah. I have been there. Yes. Man, okay. So what makes you guys sell me on Minecraft? Why Why does it not work? I can't I can't make heads or tails of Minecraft. Here I am. I've come from another planet. Nick, sell me on Minecraft. Go. Uh, you can build just about anything you want, and then when you get bored of that, you can try to fight the different monsters. Mm, you failed. Sorry. McMaster, yeah. your turn. Sell me on Minecraft. Go. It creates a new world full of treasures and enemies to go and McMaster, conquer. McMaster, I fell asleep while you were talking. <laughs> Oh, God. I don't even know. You know, this, I never get you. You know, you love strategy games, and yet you're impatient. It's like, it's weird to me. Well, so I think part of what's happened with Minecraft is uh, some of the clones that have come out since then, and I don't even know, because you guys mentioned they do feel so different. They're not really clones. That's a little unfair. But some of the games that have been created in the wake of Minecraft, uh, I've played, and those really work for me, and I don't think I can go back to Minecraft because of some of the stuff that's missing. Um, Likewise. Okay, okay. Tell me these games that are, that are good in the same vein. I, I uh, sure. So Terraria, I feel sure like can. Terraria is more contained. I have more of a sense of direction, partly because it is just 2D, and you can either go down, left, or right. Um, Terraria also, I, I more quickly can wrap my head around the ecology. Um, all of the recipes are present in Terraria. You know, I can look at a list of what I can make. And I think, by the way, Minecraft works that way on the 360. I think on the oh, PC yeah. version. The Pocket have- Edition and stuff, yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, yeah, but the, like, PC Mac, uh, standard, Linux standard edition version is, uh, yeah, you have to, uh, you get like a workbench and everything. But then again, they're also, I guess, assuming that you'll just use the Minecraft wiki since it's very in-depth. And that's a failure on my part because I have this sense, and I want to get to this when we talk about Don't Starve, which is the one that really works for me. I have this sense that I shouldn't need a wiki, and maybe that's unfair. I imagine that Marcus Pearson sort of expected people playing Minecraft to create a wiki and share it, and that that would be kind of part of the gameplay experience. Um, but when I play something like Terraria or Don't Starve, I feel like I'm, I, I can make progress without resorting to a wiki. I can well, sort of bang on it and figure it out on my own. Um, so, so me, well, see, all the games that you've been mentioning, uh, well, with the exception of Don't Starve, are like they haven't updated Terraria in quite some time. Right. Um, Minecraft gets updated quite often, and they're still adding to the game. So, uh, part of the deal with, I guess, the wiki is that they're adding stuff to the game, and some of it they're not telling people about. So it's like a discovery system. Um, the, the wiki, right? But it's like a it's like a larger communal discovery system, though. Like they add stuff, it gets discovered, it gets put on the wiki, and then guys like you and me who are playing would presumably see it on the wiki rather than discover it ourselves, uh, because that's kind of the scale at which I feel Minecraft operates. Whereas right, something right. like Don't Starve. I can I can play it as a, as a wiki-based game, but I also, and I, I'm looking forward to talking about this with you guys, I can discover things on my own without resorting to a wiki, and it feels more personal. It feels more like my experience rather than an experience I'm sharing with people who maintain a wiki. Right? Sure. Does that kind of make sense? Right. Uh, no, and I, I completely understand that. Um, I, I guess my case for Minecraft comes from 
uh, it's complexity and depth because uh, I don't think everybody really understands how much you can do in that game. Yeah. Because it's they keep adding stuff like you can build simple computers. You can, um, and by computers I mean counting devices, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, not like it's a computer know. that that's technically a computer request, right? An no, abacus like, is a computer, not like a Tandy, you know, or something. <laughs> uh, but like uh, there's that, and there's also um, the, the like you can make these really complex traps. Uh, powered mine systems, you know, you can, and it's kind of like a, a survival game in the fact that you are having to fight off enemies and stuff all the time as well. So, uh, I don't know, there's a lot uh, compelling about Minecraft uh, below the surface. <laughs> below. <I got> that. <laughs> yeah, hey, oh. McMaster, but, you're, uh, you're, you're so proud of yourself. <laughs> I know. Um, but no, there's so much going on and there's so much discovery, uh, and so much being added to the game that, uh, it just, it, every few months when I go back and I, and I play kind of a jag of it, uh, it feels exciting to see what's happening. You know, I don't know. I mean, they, like they've added, I mean, they've had towns in the game for a while, but now you can like trade with villagers and stuff like that. You know, it's like, uh, Uh, you have a message. Yes, I know. And uh, it's like, uh, you know, um, this this kind of weird exploration thing you can do. It just It's so weird trading with the NPCs that are just kind of native and don't speak your language. Uh, I, I, I think part of it, too, is early on Minecraft, I still can't get past this idea that you chop down a tree and the tree just floats there. Uh, like, I, I, Minecraft does some great things, but my first experience with it, and you only get one chance at a first experience with a game, was... Basically consisting of consisted of me thinking, wait, trees float, and and I was, that that immediately was a, a barrier for me. And I was like, well, I'm going to go play something where trees fall down. I don't want any no, part of this. I know, I know, it's it's petty, it's silly, but that's how that's how video gamers' minds work, McMaster. Well, uh, we, are, uh, we are superficial. We demand simple things, and if you don't give them to us, in Terraria, the trees float. No, they don't. You yeah, chop down yeah. a tree, and a cascade of wood falls out of the sky. There is no floating tree left over. Okay, I'll put it to you this way. If you yes. get rid of enough wood, the trees do go away. They fall apart. What are you talking about, Terraria or Minecraft? Minecraft. Minecraft. Oh, well, well, now you tell me. Why didn't you tell me when I was chopping down a little bit of, of a tree, and it just sort of floated there in the, in the sky? If you just told me to persist that eventually it would fall, I might have stuck with it. Well, you know, I mean, the thing about that, too, is I don't really have toppling mechanics. Right, because then you couldn't build those, like, huge structures and statues of Link right. or Mario or whatever that, that the kids like to do in Minecraft. Yeah. yeah, I never really got that much. Nick, what's the most epic thing you've ever built in Minecraft? I think the uh, the most epic thing I've ever built in Minecraft would be something that looked like a Lego set exploded. So... Uh, nothing great. <laughs> but I like that. Lego sets exploding. That's, uh, that, that, that sounds pretty epic. Yeah, it just, it just looks like a collection of random blocks. It, I, I, I always start something and then, you know, get kind of distracted by something else and wind up doing that. Well, I think that's how the ziggurats in South America were created. Uh, <laughs> they're just like, hey, let's build something. And then they decided they wanted to go play that, that game where you cut off your victim's head and you throw it through a hoop. Uh, so they got distracted, and these half-completed ziggurats were left around South America, uh, and that's history. So, well, I mean, it, think about it: ziggurat or head through hoop. 
I know exactly. Well, that's kind of how that's how sports today work. Is you know, uh, people around the world they're, they're like, I'm going to go clean out the garage, but then the game is on and they go watch the basketball game instead, and the garage only gets half cleaned. It's just kind of the the way of humanity, I believe. Um, well, all right. So uh, uh, I want to talk specifically then about the one one that did work for me for a while was Terraria, but where I gave up on Terraria was where I always felt like it was about trying to find iron. Uh, or in a lot of these games, it's a specific resource. That's the rare resource. It kind of gates your progress. So for Terraria, I was like building a little house, and I was uh, uh, making you know places that are lit where I could stay at night. Um, but it always was about sort of peering at the mini-map and thinking, is that is that iron or stone? Like looking specifically for deposits of iron to upgrade my dude. And it, it started to feel a bit like an adventure game pixel hunt almost. Like, okay, there's a little deposit of iron. I'm going to drill down to it. Okay, now I've got 20 units of iron. Do I use it for a sword or a bathtub that I don't even know what it's going to do? Um so for for me that was that was the obstacle for getting very far in Terraria, which I played a lot, but ultimately it felt like a hunt for for little tiny deposits of iron. Did um, you ever beat any of the bosses? There are bosses in Terraria. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, I did not. I knew they were in there, and that's one of the things I like about Terraria, and that pulled me forward is I knew that there were these kind of boss biome kind of situations that you could find and defeat. But no, I have never beat a Terraria boss because McMaster, I didn't have enough iron. Well, you should have joined Sarah and I since uh, we were beating all the bosses all the time. Mm-hmm. There's no multiplayer in Terraria, McMaster, is there? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, could have, I, I could have logged onto your server. Actually, know this. Uh, I could have logged onto your server. You guys could have given me some of your iron, right? Yes, we had a ton of it too. Because we're not like crybabies and just quit when we can't dig through enough dirt. <laughs> but there's floating eyeballs that chase me around at night. I, what am I supposed to do, McMaster? Don't go out at night. <laughs> just uh, or do what I did. Just die and resurrect. Exactly. <laughs> So that's that's the thing too is that I'm not clear on in some of these games the stakes uh, mm-hmm. and you can set them I guess so if, as a matter of fact isn't that one of the early settings in Terraria is you decide what is the death penalty like there's none you lose whatever you're carrying or you have to start over am I mistaken those are the three settings in Terraria right I don't remember okay. Uh... But you can make it as punishing as you want, or as forgiving as you want. So I think I took the middle ground, and I would die, and then uh, like it didn't. The, I, I, the stakes were never that that clear to me. I would like lose some of what I was carrying. But I think in Terraria, you could leave stuff at your house and to sort of make sure that it's safe there if you get killed. You could definitely make like suicide runs. Oh yeah, I mean you know in Minecraft you can build a bed, and if you sleep in that bed when you die, you return to it. So it like lets you create your spawn point. You lose your oh. stuff. But, uh, you know, it's on the ground wherever you died. So have you guys beat bosses in Terraria? Nick, have you ever beat a Terraria oh, yeah. boss? Yes. Uh, tell me about it. Who did you beat and how did you do it? Uh, it was the Prime Skeleton, I believe. Skeletron. Yeah. Um, and it was... Uh, it, it, it was a matter, really, of a lot of uh, jumping around... Uh, you know, using the graveling hook, dodging, 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 dying, and then going back and uh, just whittling away. And what do you get for beating Skeletron? Uh, 
what did I get? I don't even remember. <laughs> I, I know a bunch the, of stuff pops out, but okay. I think on the 360 you do get an achievement, I believe. Yeah, I need to try the 360 version. Yeah, well, the 360, no, the no achievements on the PC. <laughs> uh, come on, Steam doesn't it have Steam achievements? Maybe not. Um, the 360 version, which is the one that I played, uh, it takes some good. It's obviously a game built for a mouse, um, and you have to toggle between a finer mouse placement and just directional inputs. Um, so the 360 version was a little finicky. I got used to it after a while, and I got to where I could run across a chasm and just keep putting boards in front of me by holding down the button. Um, so uh, in, in a way, it's more finicky. In another way, it can be maybe easier than having to click on specific places with a mouse. Um, but you do get an achievement if you kill Skeletron and, and the various bosses. Um so, okay, so what about, let me ask you guys, McMaster, you mentioned earlier Tale in the Desert, which I think probably <laughs> predates all these games. That might be the sort of the grandfather of this kind of game. Uh, it's either that or Dwarf Fortress. Dwarf Fortress has been around a long time, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think of Tale in the Desert, uh, you know, because that was an MMO, basically. It was collaborative. There's only crafting, no combat. Um, it was a 3D world, wasn't it? Yes, it was kind a 3D like- yeah. Whereas Dwarf Fortress, in a way, you could trace Dwarf Fortress to the tradition of something like NetHack, where it just is like, okay, we're going to do this ambitious thing with ASCII graphics. Um, but I think of Tale in the Desert as looking more immediately like Minecraft, I think. Uh, does it, did any of us here play Tale in the Desert? Oh, yes. And did, yes. Just describe <laughs> that for us, McMaster. Um, that was back around the time I was starting my writing, and... Um, uh, I was writing for DIY Gaming, if you remember that site. Greg uh, Mychek and uh, someone else from the Quarter 3 forums had a website about indie games, and uh, I played that with those guys quite a bit. And that was all crafting, no combat, right? And you're trying yeah. to build uh, what? Some stuff. <laughs> I mean, like, it, it's kind of a vague game. Uh, you were trying to build, uh, I don't know, housing first, different, uh, it's weird. The game, you had to build a, a lot of tools, and with those tools, you could create more advanced tools and more advanced cloths, et cetera, et cetera. So. Well, let me, so let's drill down. So as far as, like, this genre, and I like calling it crafting, I'm sure someone somewhere has thought of a way better description of it. But for our purposes today... If I was to make a list of the bullet points of this, I mean, certainly crafting is at the top. Uh, how important is procedural generation? I mean, like procedurally generated worlds. That, that's a cornerstone of these kinds of games, right? I would say that that is the, if not most important, tied for most important factor in these games. It, definitely. Like, I, I think crafting, this idea of taking things, combining them, making new things adapting the world, that seems to me the main factor. And then a procedurally generated world, this sense of an untamed wilderness made just for you. Uh, I definitely think that's sort of the second uh, factor. Uh, How important is the survival element? Like this idea that there's... In Tale of the Desert, could you die, McMaster? Like, was there any... Um, I don't... Not in the first one, I don't think. Okay. Um, But it, it actually is a few years older than Dwarf Fortress even, so yeah. But I think of things like Dwarf Fortress, Minecraft, Terraria, Don't Starve. The, the survival aspect is, 
I would maybe as, put that at number three. Like you, you definitely yeah. have to survive. You've got to hold out. Sometimes, do they all have day-night cycles? Is that a staple? Minecraft does. Terraria does. Uh, Don't starve Don't definitely starve does. Yeah. yeah. So whether it's starvation or monsters coming out at night, it seems like survival is a, a third tier there. Uh, am I missing anything? So if we say crafting, procedurally generated world, survival, uh, is there anything else that unifies them? Uh, building. Other than so I'm gonna, crafting. I'm going to put that in parentheses next to crafting. Crafting, All right. building. So, But good, absolutely, yeah. Because that's, that's the purpose of the crafting, is you're crafting you, things so that you can build new things. Yeah. Right. I mean, I guess what I mean by that is more like building shelter, but even beyond that, building, you know, monuments and personalization and everything, which I was, personalization, how about that? Well, and you know, McMaster, that kind of ties together all three elements. This idea of it's a procedurally generated world. You're going to build something in it. You're coming to this new world. You're going to you're going to wrestle it into submission. You're going to terraform it or or civilize it by putting some kind of structure or a house or or a campfire on it. So, uh, and then that's part of survival too. Is you want to build shelter. You want to build fire to to keep away the darkness. Sure. Uh, so, so for me, McMaster, actually, you're probably getting at the the overall point. This idea of like building something it's part of the crafting it's part oh, of yeah. teaming this procedurally generated world and it's part of surviving so well, it's it's like the same thing that catches your imagination with uh, did you read the book hatchet when you were a kid or anything like that no uh, but i've seen there's a series of horror movies called hatchet the third one is coming out soon I've oh, seen so the first same two. deal same deal. yeah no. <laughs> yeah just i think nick knows what i'm talking about totally the same absolutely uh, yeah, no, it's a, uh, you know. I actually know kid. what you're talking about. It's a book about the history of hatchets? No, it's a kid oh. crash, is in a plane crash, and he's the only survivor, and he has to live out in the woods with a hatchet, or, you know, and that's like his only, uh, tool at first. It, it's this series, it's this entire feeling of just awe and wonder of seeing something you've never seen before in a, and surviving in a hostile environment that just kind of captures the human imagination, I think. You know what, Maxer? I think I actually heard someone talking about Hatchet in the context of the new Tomb Raider game. So that that's probably where I've heard of it. It's one of the right. developers of Crystal Dynamics invoked it as, as right. one of their influences. Um, Makes sense, because I can see that completely, yeah. And nothing to do with the horror movies. Because as you can imagine, that's about taking a hatchet and uh, like killing people. Yeah, no, I, I don't... <laughs> That doesn't yeah. make. That's not good young adult fiction, as far as I'm concerned. No, I mean, but you can do that with a hatchet. That is definitely one of the uses of a hatchet. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, so I, let's then talk specifically about Don't Starve, because this is the one that, for me, is finally working. You know, Minecraft, I'm way too superficial to get past a floating tree. At Terraria, I'm not good enough to have enough iron to know what to do next. But Don't Starve is the. I don't know, we'll call crafting, procedurally generated survival building game that finally got its hooks into me uh, for various reasons. Um, before I get to that, I, I want to hear about you guys with Don't Starve. Uh, Nick, where would you put Don't Starve in the pantheon of, in terms of this genre? Um, so far, I am liking it as much as uh, I did Terraria, and I put about a good 200 hours into Terraria, so I, I really like it. Yeah, I really, you know, really like it. So, Nick, that brings to mind another thing. When I, I, th I think it's probably maybe a fourth tier. These games are incredible, and I don't mean this as a criticism, but they're incredible time sinks. 
Oh, like yes. you, oh. you don't play. You either play Terraria for two hundred hours or not at all. That's the impression I got as a guy who couldn't get enough iron. I've probably played twenty hours or whatever. But that's kind of a common thread, isn't it? Is that these games you put as much time into them as you want, uh, and they will support that kind of time sink, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so so uh, Nick, you were saying uh, uh, don't starve on the same level as Terraria. You've spent two hundred hours in Terraria, and it seems like that's where you're headed with don't starve. You're saying. Uh, that yeah, I, I can I can see myself dropping a lot more time into Don't Starve. And can we talk a bit about the art style of Don't Starve? Oh, can we? Yeah, okay. Because that is awesome. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's an attractive game. What does that? And that's kind of the art style in Minecraft and Terraria. They're sort of embracing this retro blockiness, um, and it's very cute. But with Don't Starve, I just love how. It reminds me of Edward Gorey. We've talked about him before. Uh, uh, we had one of the developers, Andy Schatz, from Pocket Watch, who made Monaco, talking about a, a card game called Gloom last week, which also reminded me of Edward Gorey, but this, this cool American Gothic look. Um, it seems sometimes like it's cut out of paper, like they're dolls or something. Uh, I, I love that look in Don't Starve, and it's a huge hook for me. Like None of the graphics, the graphics in Terraria and, and Minecraft were cute in spite of themselves. But the graphics in Don't Starve, I just flat out like anyway. Um, and and the monsters too, like the, what they do with the graphics and the, the creature design and the way that even the trees look. Um, yeah, so uh, visually, Don't Starve definitely pops in a way that the other games don't, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I absolutely love it. The uh, Even the, it's a nice touch, but even that little little bit of parallax shift that you get as you walk around, um, you know, between the different layers of trees and the rocks and the brush and whatnot, um, mm-hmm. it just it just seems to have a lot of uh, care uh, and a lot of attention to detail. Yeah, for a procedurally generated game, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, yeah, yeah, procedurally generated, and you know, not. Uh, I, I know we don't like to talk about price too much, but not an expensive game. I wonder if that's a fourth tier too. Are any all of these games tend to be indie budget projects, don't they? Uh, they like, do like, seem to be. Yeah. Are any of them? Are how much is mine? Like, is any? Are any of them over twenty bucks? Minecraft isn't a sixty dollar game, is it? Oh no, no. Minecraft yeah. is like fifteen, twenty bucks. I can't remember. It's kind of weird. So you can pay sixty dollars for the Call of Duty Black Ops Two. You'll get your multiplayer and you'll get your ten hour campaign or whatever, or you can pay $15 for Terraria and play it for 200 hours. That's, that's the, one of those weird, unique uh, pricing Dwarf. anomalies that you find in video gaming, isn't it? Um, Door Fortress is free. Mm, yeah, but I don't think that's... A, that, that game, only you only play that for like four or five hours, right? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> At a sitting, maybe. I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, oh, God. Don't yeah, me. the economics of Dwarf Fortress do kind of break this all, don't they? Uh, yeah. So, uh, all right, so, uh, Nick, the graphics work for you. That's one of the things. McMaster, what's one of the selling points for you? Actually, we haven't checked in. McMaster, do you like or don't like Don't Starve? Yeah, I like Don't Starve. I haven't played a ton of it, but I've watched a ton of it played. Uh, mm-hmm. Just looking at Sarah's time in-game, it is 388 hours. So, um, Wow. Oh, Nick, she totally wow. showed you up. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's got 634 and the Binding of Isaac alone. So, yeah, don't even... Not, not worth it. <laughs> and considering wow. how good she is at pinball, that's quite an accomplishment. Uh, oh yes, uh, I would have thought she's pinball. Yeah, 
Go ahead. She, uh, yeah, I like the game. Uh, I don't like it as much as Terraria, uh, <gasps> honestly. Uh, I, I mean, it's an attractive game, and it's... I don't, to me, it just doesn't have as much going on as Terraria. Uh, but then again, it's, uh, it's still in development, and, uh, I've been following it for quite some time. Don't dude. Starve is still in development. I mean, I know they're adding stuff to it, but it's, it's completed, yeah. right? It's like a version 1.0, just with extra content being added. Oh, don't, do not think so, no. Nick, back me up on this. Am I right, or is McMaster right? Uh, it's a good question. I, I, I know it's, it's, as far as Steam is concerned, it's a full game. I don't really know how the devs consider it. Well, it, we're, we're getting too into, and it's it's part of this genre in these games. There's this murky sense of a game being beta and then being released and then the additional content. Uh, it's kind of rare, isn't it, that something like Terraria happens where the team breaks up and they just stop development. Because Marcus Person is still doing stuff, as you mentioned, McMaster, on uh, on Minecraft. I get the well, sense that there's a game called Salem that Paradox released, which is a crafting MMO. That's obviously an ongoing development. Uh, is Dwarf Fortress still being having yeah. stuff added to it? Yeah. So I think what's going on with Don't Starve is that the developers at Clay, Clea, I'm not sure how to say their name, uh, they released the game, and they have, when you boot up the game, uh, a little indicator for when the next bit of content is coming out. And they're adding caves. Like every time I boot up the game, there's a little button where I can go look at their little development log about caves, which is the next feature being added. Um, so I get the sense that it's a completed game and that they've taken the word beta off of it. They're selling it, but they're still adding content. Oh. Well, it says on here there was a release date of April 23rd, so that's probably why uh, I missed it because I've got ah, well, months. Well, and also it was very playable in beta for a while because you yeah. hear people talking about, well, when I played in beta, there was none of the magic, you know, because there's a whole magic. No, it's completely, yeah, it's completely different. And that's why I kind of took pause at the statement that it was out just because, like, I know a month ago they completely rehauled a bunch of stuff. And that's not usual for a game that came out unless it's Star Wars Galaxies. You know how that went. <laughs> yeah, like like the science machine works completely differently from it did in the beta. Oh, how did it work in the beta, Nick? Well, so in the beta, so you had to build a science machine, uh, and then you unlocked, you know, whatever item uh, with a prototype. But then you could leave, and ah. that item was just unlocked. Right. Yeah, you kept everything unlocked, yeah. So in the, in the game currently, you have to stand around the science machine to build the stuff, unless you are the librarian, who is one right. of my favorite characters. Correct. Uh, right. So that's one of the – so when we talk about, for me personally, why this – why Don't Starve hooks me in a way that Minecraft and Terraria didn't, um, that's one of the early things, is the unlockable characters. You know, you play – you start off as – I think his name is Wilson. He's the, the gentleman scientist. They have titles. They have names that begin with a W. And you're playing Wilson, and then when you die, based on how long you are alive, you earn experience points. And every time those fill up a bar, Wilson doesn't get more powerful or anything. But what happens is that when you start your next game, you unlock additional characters. Um, so I find that a huge draw early on in a game like this. Because if I play like Terraria and there's some punishment for death when I die – that, that sort of is a disincentive to keep playing. I, I might as well, I might be, this is a danger, I might have gotten to a certain point where I'm just like, ah, oh, screw this game, I don't want to play anymore, I just lost all my stuff, I don't feel like going back to get it. 
what they do with Don't Starve is they give you a present when you die. You know, they unlock a new piece of content or they get you closer to unlocking that. Uh, and I think that's a huge, that's a, that's a wonderful gimmick to overcome the sting of death, um, is to make death part of something new that you're getting. Um, so they've got, I think it's six characters now that you can unlock. I've tapped out that leveling system, and there's still two more characters. I, pr- I don't know how you get them. Um, but I've now got this stable of six different characters, each with unique abilities to play with. Uh, and I really like that. When I first, when I sit down to play, it's sort of like, okay, who do I want to be? And there's even, it reminds me a little bit of what Monaco did with the asymmetrical characters. Um, so I really like that draw, of getting to start with an inherent advantage that the other characters don't get. Uh, Nick, do you, are you leaning towards one character or the other? Who do you normally start with? Uh, I I actually like um oh what's her name? She's the fire. Uh, I don't know their uh, name. Fire. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the the crazy one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what what does she get to do? Uh, well, she loves fire. <laughs> well, her remember her her ability, and this is huge, is that at nighttime, if it gets dark and she hasn't started a fire, one starts at her feet. Uh, yeah. You know, she she can automatically start up a fire. Uh, I also like too uh, a procedurally generated game can it can have personality in the world, but in Terraria, even though I could just determine, you know, am I going to be a dude or a chick? What color hair am I going to have? Uh, you know, when I make goggles, hey, they show up on my character. Uh, it feels like there's this generic placeholder there, and the, the, the actual character doesn't have much character. One of the things they can do with Don't Starve is the fire starter has different context-sensitive remarks she'll make at different moments. Like, if you try to click on a rock and you don't have a pickaxe, she will say, oh, that doesn't look like it would burn very well, because she likes to burn things. And all the other characters will have a different comment uh, if you try to click on a rock without having a pickaxe. So I love how much personality they've put in these characters. Um, so the one that I like, uh, so the ones that I like for gameplay purposes, I love the librarian because she doesn't need to get a, to build a science machine off the bat. She can right off the bat make all these kinds of things that normally you have to find gold to make a science machine to make. Uh, I love the librarian. I like the strong man for all the times that I've died because I've thought, oh, I'm going to go fight this tall bird, and it doesn't work out as well as I'd hoped. <laughs> Uh, the strong man is better at combat, and his stomach is bigger, so you can just cram him with more food and not have to worry about it. So for gameplay purposes, I like those two. But just for the narrative, I love that little girl whose twin sister, uh, Abigail, her ghost comes out at night and protects her. Uh, I think she's called the Bereaved, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but for just narrative purposes, I really like her. She's, she's the one. And, and there's no hook like that, like this kind of character hook in Terraria or, or Minecraft. Um, this sense of here's a character I like, here's a person I like, uh, and this person is the star of this particular narrative of this story that I'm telling when I play. Uh, that's a huge hook for me with Don't Starve. Uh, all right, what else makes it work for you guys? Uh, for, well, for me, I I really like the... Uh, I, I know it's very simplistic, but I do like the combat in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, obviously it doesn't it doesn't have quite the complicated uh, move set that something like Terraria did, uh, where you well, know you could do I mean, a lot of jumping and whatnot. Terraria is like the only one of those games that's like that too, to be honest. So, because like Minecraft has simplistic combat. Right. It, it's sort of toe to toe whacking combat where it's all about 
uh, how prepared are you? You know, is it's your health at full? It's do- oh yeah, you know what? Yeah, you can definitely like the oh, tall yeah. birds do a wind up, but it's also about you know, do you have a nice suit of armor to absorb the damage? Do you have a decent weapon? You know, it's pretty easy to get a spear. Uh, if you get hurt, like healing and don't starve can be pretty crucial. Like if my health gets low, it's not that easy. If you don't have a, a ready source of spiders to make healing potions, it's not that easy to get your health back without basically taking a few days of being well fed to, to recover. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I'm with you, Nick. Like, it, there's definitely more of a sense of fighting in Terraria is more like a platformer, but fighting here is part of the survival game in a way. Yeah, I, I really feel that in Don't Starve, there's uh, there's a component of getting yourself prepared for the fight. Right. Um, and there was in Terraria, but I like a lot of Terraria's fights just came down to, you know, am I faster at moving <laughs> yeah. than, the, than the boss? Whereas in Don't Starve, eh, yeah, you can kind of kite some things around, but just the way it works, um, it, it really is more about, you know, did I gather all my stuff? Do I have the right suit of armor? Am I ready to go? And that, that survival aspect overall, just how it informs so much of Don't Starve, is hugely important to me as well. Um, there's a, in, in, uh, roguelikes, uh, there's a school of thought that some people prefer, I think it's rogue, where you don't have to eat food. In, in rogue, you're playing, uh, it, you, you know, you can play as long as you want, and you'll eventually get killed by a monster. I think that's rogue I'm thinking of. But yeah. net hack, you have to eat. In NetHack, you will starve to death if you don't find food. Uh, there's a really cool uh, roguelike called Brogue, which is out on the iPad, and one of the things I like about it is you need food. You have to feed yourself. That's the, an aspect of survival. And uh, you have to uh, listen to Chumbawamba, too, I think, at least once a day. It's Brogue. <laughs> Never mind. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I think I got that reference. I'm not quite that hip, McMaster, but I'm sure some folks out there enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, but uh, in in... Terraria and Minecraft, if I'm not mistaken, you don't eat, do you? Neither of those Minecraft, games is eating. You do. you do eat? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You will starve yeah. to death in Minecraft? You will starve down to one uh, health. And ah, okay. If anything touches you, you die. Okay. Um, and you can't regain health unless you're at full, uh, full food. Maybe I should check this Minecraft game out again, McMaster. <sighs> I have a server going. We'll play sometime. <laughs> But at any rate, I like how immediate and varied the survival aspects are in Don't Starve. You have your uh, your stomach, you have your sanity, your brain, uh, and then you have just your straight-up health. Um, and you have to maintain all three of those in various ways, and the the demands are, are constant, like uh, – like you know, you know, you know from the name of the game that you have to feed yourself, um, and I really like that constant survival aspect. That's it's, it's almost like survival horror uh, aspect of Don't Starve. Yeah, I mean uh, that's one of the big appeals of. Uh, I mean, outside of the sanity thing, that's one of the big appeals of like Minecraft and uh, all the others as well. Uh, is the, the 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 sheer ducking and hiding factor. The uh, the oh god I don't want to die factor of the right. games. Like, and certainly uh, based it like nighttime, like the day night cycle. Like it's safe oh, during yeah. the day to build up stuff, and then at night you have to hunker down and hold out. Uh, in a way, you know, a very right. zombie survival kind of. Right, it really is. I mean, it's it's very much like a, a much more in depth horde mode. 
so uh, tell me about, do you guys, when you play Don't Starve, uh, do you resort, we talked a little bit earlier about this, do you resort to wikis? Do you spoil the game for yourselves? Nick, did you play Don't Starve honestly, or did you cheat? I did cheat. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Big time. I did cheat. Yeah. <laughs> so wait a minute. You guys look up stuff as you're playing. All right. I'm very oh, disappointed gosh. in both of you. Yes, McMaster? Yeah, I mean, okay. For Dwarf Fortress and Minecraft, you don't have a lot of choice. Right. If you don't know anybody or there's no tutorials or anything at all. But uh, don't starve. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't look up a ton because a lot of it you can get away with. Uh, just kind of figuring out. It's it's not as uh, arcane of a game as some of the others, for lack of a better word. Uh, it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot more kind of plain. I, you know, I would agree, McMaster. I would say it's not as um, uh, obtuse. Maybe that's the wrong uh, word. Because it is literally arcane in that there's a lot of magic, there's a lot of spells, there's tentacles in the swamp. I mean, there's a lot of like crazy magic stuff in there. Oh, that yeah. I think that, that makes me think I want to reserve the word arcane for it. But you're right that it's not uh, obtuse. There's not a lot of obfuscation. It's not It's not a lot of right. hidden stuff that will reveal itself more readily, I, I think. Um, so right. a guy like me who wants no part of a wiki, who wants to discover this stuff on his own, I feel like it's not as punishing. Uh, it's certainly punishing, and I've died plenty of times from stupid things, but I've gotten this sense of discovery, and I feel like I've gotten smarter every time I die. And I'm learning things about this really cool world that they created. Um, well, you know, I, I, yeah, I hear you. It's actually it's a it's a really neat game, and the whole genre is really great for that. Uh, I love the sense of uh, discovery that every game gives you. I mean, like every game, right? Well, and you say the whole genre is like that, McMaster, and I agree. But I feel that some of the games are better than others in terms of letting guys like me who don't want to look it up on a oh way sure. Who want to yeah. discover it by themselves, and that's what I most love about Don't Starve well, is that I feel right. like I can jump into it, and it's built for me to just discover it as a self-contained world rather than something where I have to refer to a community-built wiki. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say after that, Terraria is probably the second easiest. Absolutely, to get a handle on. Yeah. yeah. So my experience with Don't Starve was that uh, I I knew there was a thread on it. I'd heard about it. I really liked the developer's previous work with uh, the Shank games, with Mark of the Ninja. So I knew they were making a Minecraft kind of survival, crafting, procedurally generated building thing. Uh, So I started playing it. I didn't read any threads about it. I didn't look up anything on wikis, with one exception, which I'll talk about in a minute. And I haven't really talked to anyone else about it. So everything I discovered... And that, that was all intentional, by the way. Everything I discovered just felt very personal and immediate and relating to me rather than something that somebody told me that I brought into the game. Uh, and I just felt like that was a huge asset for experiencing the game and, and, and how how it felt personal for, for me. Um, no, no, I mean, I understand absolutely. Like, Because I watched Sarah. You know, I really didn't look that much up about Don't Starve. Because mm-hmm. I was mostly watching her. And she's not that into looking stuff up until... It's frustrating, I right. guess, would be the point. Like, and I would say that's pretty fair for me too. I don't, you know, Door Fortress isn't fair. You know, I had to buy a book about Door <laughs> Fortress, so I, I don't even want to hear it about that one. But like Minecraft, uh, once you, uh, once I got the hang of like how to survive, I, I enjoy looking stuff or, or like you know figuring stuff out as well. But yeah, it's it's kind of a fascinating game to watch someone discover things. Like, I remember watching her play and seeing the insanity 
mm-hmm. uh, meter get filled up, you know, and that kind of changed since beta too. So it was like, it's just kind of crazy the first time, you know, the monsters start coming for you and everything, which is pretty rad. And I, I would have hated to know in advance that was coming. Like that was to me such an awesome gameplay moment is oh, yeah. to see that little brain thing depleting and think, what is that stat? Oh, well, I'm not going to worry about it. And then later on, Thinking, are the graphics screwing up? Why is everything all wavery? And then seeing, wait, is that is that a is there a shadow monster? What is that? Can I oh, interact yes. with that? No, I guess I can't interact with it. Oh well. And then when they start coming after you and they're attacking you and killing you, and then realizing, oh, yeah. oh I've just gone crazy and been killed by phantom monsters, and to have no idea that that was coming. You know, it reminds me of a there was a Silicon Knights game called Eternal Darkness that did all these crazy. Oh yeah, I was thinking about that too. Actually, that's funny. And if you go into Eternal Darkness knowing that those are coming, it's going to rob a little bit of of the gimmick of the of the. The, the trick that Silicon Knights was trying to do. So I think if you know that that's coming and don't starve, it's going to rob that, the moment of its impact the first time it happens. I mean, now it's a gameplay element. Is I don't I, Not only do I not want to starve, I don't want to go crazy, but to actually go crazy and see the effects of it firsthand, and that's how you learn about the gameplay mechanic. I wouldn't trade that for anything. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, that's like uh, Dead Space 3 has that awesome thing going for it, too. Where you're... The multiplayer, yep. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's awesome stuff. Uh, so Nick, tell me about how you went into Don't Starve and and used the wiki and looked stuff up. Like, did you read about it first? Did you go in and just look up stuff as you were having trouble? Uh, where did you feel you needed to look up stuff? Tell me about how you came to it. So uh, I played about forty hours of Don't Starve uh, without a wiki, uh-huh. uh, and I, I guess that includes about twenty in the beta. Mm-hmm. So that first twenty, I, I, don't, I don't even know if I would count that because. So much of the game changed. It did, yeah. Uh, I mean, there was uh, did, a did lot have, of stuff. Uh, in the beta, did they have the idea where, the, where when you die, you get experience towards unlocking a character? Was that part of the early beta? Do you remember? The, they only had like two or three characters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there was there was only a couple, uh, and the experience rate was, I think, different. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was just, even the procedures for uh, well, the insanity. recipes... Yeah, yeah, insanity was completely different. I don't even think it was there actually yeah. in early beta. I think that was a later edition. Yeah, it, it was it was wild. So okay. twenty hours beta, uh, and then twenty hours regular game, and I just kept dying, <laughs> like ten days into it. I would just hit ten days and die. Hit ten days yeah. and die, and I could not figure out what was going on. Uh, so I finally. I, what was okay. killing you, if I may ask? I, were, you, were you starving? Was it? I was just starving, straight okay. out, just starving. Could okay. not get past it. Right? I would, I would do farms. I would, I would get there, and then just run out of food and die. So I figured, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and buck up, hit the wiki, see what's going on, and that's when I learned about the crockpot. See, I, I don't even. I know. I just realized. I think it requires charcoal or something. I just realized the crockpot is something that I can. I can get. I haven't played since discovering, and that's the one thing that I felt that I looked up. Like I was looking up something else, I forgot what, and I saw a thread title, something like "Make a Crockpot." I was like, "Oh yeah, I think I saw that." So tell me about. The, I'm okay with things being spoiled. Tell me about the crockpot. How does that change the game for you? Uh, it immensely, immensely changes the game, especially since it's not that hard to make the crockpot fairly early on in the game. Uh. Is it charcoal you know, so, that it needs? Yeah. You, okay. I mean, it does not take a lot of resources. Um, it, it's certainly not hard to put together. 
Uh, and then when you make it, I, I, for me, that was the game changer. <laughs> Suddenly, oh, now I can live. Now, now I can go ahead and build up. I can, you know, now herd beefalo. I can do all this other stuff. <laughs> it was crazy. The, the crock pot absolutely flipped that game for me. As far as like making it where you're not starving anymore. Yeah. Because yeah. I, th- I think where I'm at, and then I want to get back to your experience after those first 20 hours, where I'm at is I never, I rarely starve anymore because I have uh, basically trapping rabbits, uh, collecting berries, understanding the value of roasting food, whether it's berries or carrots, of course rabbits, before you eat it. Uh, I'm able to keep myself well fed pretty well. Um, but I think what might be going on is that it's taking up too much time that I would otherwise spend progressing other parts of the game. So I'm guessing now I probably need to build a crock pot, and that's going to make it easier to stay fed and, and take less time. Um, all right, so you got a crock pot, and then, then what happened? So you were able to not starve. Take us from there. Uh, then I was able to not starve, and then uh, it, it made – well, number one, it made surviving winter uh, a lot easier. Yeah, I haven't even gotten to winter. I, I'm almost <laughs> – like, because I never, I, I think my long, I've lived, like, I think at one point, maybe two weeks or something. Uh, so uh, what's what's the problem with surviving winter? You just keep warm, right? Uh, well, there there is the uh, there is the whole exposure thing. Uh, so you just make is... some of those bunny earmuffs, yeah? <laughs> so you can make those. You can make bunny earmuffs, and it has a percentage. I presume it's keeping you warm. Uh, yeah, that'll get me through the winter, right? A pair of earmuffs? No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> First of all, you need a ton of food. Okay. Uh, you need absolutely a ton of food. Um, Crock-Pot. Uh, Crock-Pot will get you through it. Uh, and then, of course, the icebox will I've seen help. that, but I don't. where do I find gears, for Pete's sake? You need gears for an icebox? Heck, if I know where gears are. <laughs> all right, so icebox, Crock-Pot, go on. Tell me more about winter. Uh, and then, uh, of course, it, you know, you, you've got to be able to, uh, you know, build uh, enough fires, um, which, you know, wood, you're going to need a ton of wood, uh, or in this case, charcoal, if you already have it. Um, you can make and, fires out of charcoal. It never occurred to me. Okay. Uh, well, there's a, <laughs> there's a little more going on there, too. Okay. Good. Good to know. Uh, so, I... Uh, it's just, I would advise everyone get to the crock pot, get okay. to it. That's that is my that is my number one piece of advice for Don't Star. Get to the crock pot. Do whatever you need to to get to the crock pot. So I think what I was looking up was, um, oh, I think it was like what to do with tall bird eggs because I found tall bird eggs and I was just eating them and I was thinking, surely you can. Can I maybe hatch a tall bird companion to help me fight? So I just went on the, the forum for the game, and I saw two things. I saw somebody – a thread about getting a crockpot, and here's what I wished I hadn't seen. I saw a thread implying somebody, – somebody said something about, ah, I got to the fifth world, blah, blah, blah. And I noticed that when I save a game, it has the number one and a dash – and after that, the second number is how many days I've survived in that game save. So I presume that first number is the world that I'm at. So I think what I discovered, which I wished I hadn't known, is that there's multiple worlds you're trying to get through. Um, but I have no sense for the overarching structure of the game. And I'm similar with Minecraft, where I didn't even know there was a boss. Terraria, where I've never killed a boss. 
I feel like there's something like that going on in Don't Starve that involves these different worlds that I I still don't know anything about because I haven't even gotten to my first winter. Um, is that something that you know about, Nick? Well, have you so have you dived into the adventure mode? What's that? Okay, well, that's a whole nother section of the game. <laughs> where, where do I find adventure mode? So there is a portal that you can find. Um, and, what? And basically, oh. yeah. So is it like so and so's portal? Like I found one. It was like a house. It was like one of those pig houses, but more elaborate. Um, and I could have gone. Yes, yes. What is that? So I found it and then died before I could use it. What was that? Okay. Well, the, so the hint is the guy that drops you off in the very beginning, Max. Yes. Right. His name. I, I have no idea who that dude is. Okay, go on. He has a uh, adventure mode you can go into, which is uh, a series of. They're kind of a, a little more handcrafted. Uh, there's still a lot of randomly generated stuff, but they're they're more handcrafted, kind of set piece areas that you have to get through. Uh, okay, you guys, I gotta go. You guys do the podcast. So I'm gonna go play Don't Starve. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no wait, I'm back. Go on. Okay, so Maxwell's. That's what that door is. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Are you okay, Tom? Hello? Wait, I, can you guys hear me? You muted yourself, didn't you? Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's what I get for doing shenanigans with the headphones. All right, 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 right. <laughs> we'll just edit that out. It's fine. Nobody has to know that I ever did that. All right, yeah. so... Get in. <laughs> So there's Maxwell Adventure. So that's who that dude is, and that's what that weird portal is that I never got to use. All right. Yeah, and there's uh, I think there's uh, there's five I think areas that you have to go through, uh, and each of them has like a challenge. Uh, one of the stages you can even unlock like a mime looking guy. Um, oh, those are the two dudes I haven't unlocked then because I've maxed out my experience. I'm not getting any anymore. But I know there's two more characters. All right. Those would be the two. There's a mime, and then, of course, there is the final guy that you can unlock. I like that. Okay, so I have another question then for you, uh, Nick. Um, uh, what is, uh, w- with the game, I feel like, you know, I, I don't starve now. I can make um, fires. I can, in Terraria, a big part of Terraria is you make a house. In Minecraft, you make houses and doors and windows and whatnot. Uh, here, I figured out that I can make flooring, of course. I can make walls out of hay or wood, and each wall segment I can build up to three times to make it higher. I can't figure out, am I supposed to make a house? How do I do it? I've made flooring. I've surrounded it with walls and left a little gap in there, thinking that at some point it might sort of pop magically into a house. Um, am I supposed to be making buildings in Don't Starve? It's okay if you spoil for me. Uh, well, you can. Are you are you talking about your base camp or? Yeah. So my base camp, where I have my science machine, where I tend to keep a fire pit, where my rabbit traps are around there. If I've been lucky enough to find poo, where I have my farm. <laughs> um, so, am I supposed to build a house there? What am I supposed to do with walls? I guess I'm making a fort or something. Yeah, you can kind of fort yourself off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Tom knows about forting yourself off. <laughs> and it, hold on a second. <laughs> uh, and what does that do? Like, why do I care about that? Uh, well, I mean, you can protect yourself because later on there are 
uh, very large wandering monsters. One monster in particular that will wander around and uh-huh. destroy everything if you don't have uh, kind of a fort. I've been I've been beset upon by dogs, those hounds, those are hounds. Yeah, the hounds, and actually one of my favorite deaths was okay. The hounds are coming. I made a little small two tile fort, uh, and uh, when the hounds came, I ran into the fort, stood in the doorway, thought it would be an easily defensible position, uh, and instead of you know, and I just died there. Like I don't know what I was thinking was going to be different than standing toe to toe with the hounds. Maybe I guess one could attack me at a time. But I was so proud of myself for setting up a little tiny fort with just one space where I could stand in it. And the hounds came, and I stood there, and I thought, okay, this is great. I'm going to give these hounds the what for, and they they killed me anyway. Um, but so down the road, there is a reason to to fort myself off. You're saying there there is a reason. Although I I have to admit I was a tiny bit disappointed that. Uh, the flooring doesn't really seem to do anything. I'll tell you what it does, Nick. It makes the sound of your footfalls different. <laughs> it, it makes it sound cool. Tuk, 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 tuk. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. So, uh, um, I, you guys, maybe you can tell me. Uh, do you guys know? Maybe you know this. You can start forest fires. <laughs> yes. All right. I I found that out the hard way. That's one of my favorite deaths in Don't Starve is having a torch, walking around to get back to my camp at night, uh, mousing over a tree and seeing, oh, you can light this. Well, let me see what happens. Thinking that I would stick the torch in the tree and I could make like – because in Terraria, you put down light posts and you can basically carve out like like daylight or like lit areas so you can find your way around. So I was kind of thinking, oh, I can plant this torch in this tree or something and I can make myself a path of safe lit areas at night. So I did that, and then the tree started burning, and I was like, oh, well, that's kind of pretty. And then a tree near it started burning, and I was like, oh, well, wait a minute. And then all these trees started burning, and then the whole bottom of the screen got a little burning uh, thing going. And I was like, why is it doing that? Oh, it's because I'm on fire. And oh, look, now I've died. I've burned to death. And burned down this huge swath of forest, which, by the way, is how I finally discovered uh, charcoal. <laughs> I didn't know that that's how you get charcoal. Um uh, okay, is there anything I need to know about graveyards? Uh, there's bodies yeah. in them. <laughs> there's also there's, there's ghosts in the McMaster, so you can find fun things in graveyards. I've also found things that I believe are useless, like I found a talking robot, I found bits of wire, I found mismatched buttons. Uh, it seems like graveyards are where you get the gems, um, but sometimes I'll dig up a grave and a ghost comes out of it and is unhappy with me and follows me around. It's a haint. It's a what? It's a haint. You're hainted. Oh, hey, right, right. Yeah, that's like a southern way to say haunted. Yes. <laughs> haint. <laughs> All right, so can, let's see what... Yeah, can, can I spoil something for you, Tom? Yes, yes. Okay, so, graveyard. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the places you would get a gear. Oh, you know, even as I was explaining just now that I've gotten useless junk, that totally makes... You know, if if I had just thought about it for a little longer and if I wasn't so dense, I probably would have figured that out. So very good, Nick. You you know what? You didn't spoil something for me. You just helped a few synapses connect that were misfiring. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. You want to plunder a graveyard, you get all this other junk, and the gear would be... All right, good to know. Very good. Um, any favorite deaths that you guys can recall? They're all pretty special. Uh, I think the uh, I think the first time... A 
spider queen multiplied into another spider queen. <laughs> Yikes! And, and then basically chased me, pretty much just cornered me on the island. Uh, and, you know, then I'm fighting two spider queens. Uh, I had at one point set up my camp near uh, a tall bird. It looked like a city. I mean, it was it was full of nests. There was a circular rock area where there were, there were probably about like 20 of them. And it was before I really knew that they could aggro on you. And I was like, oh, these guys, you know, I can kill them and eat them later. So I set up my camp, and then I spent the rest of the game basically fending them off as they would get close because I think I was too near some of their nests. But I constantly was having stray tall birds go aggro on me. Uh, <laughs> And I was way too proud to relocate my camp. I was like, no, I got here first. You guys go somewhere else. Actually, they got there first. I don't know what my moral claim. I just claimed manifest destiny on this area. And so I decided the tall birds, they could relocate if they wanted. So I would get in these isolated squabbles with tall birds. And just over time, my health just kept dropping. And finally, one of them killed me. So I died out of a war of attrition with a tall bird breeding ground. Uh, I don't recommend you fight that kind of war early in the game. Uh, all right, so let's see. Um, what else do I want you guys to spoil for me? Let's see. Uh, how about what should I be doing with magic? Um, Anything? Any advice there? I feel like there's a whole. I mean, I can make some. I can. I've seen some staffs in there. I guess you need gems for that. Uh, a meat effigy. Can someone tell me what I'm supposed to do with a meat effigy? Oh man, <laughs> that that Nick, your 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 answer right there almost makes me want to discover it on my own. Uh, so so I'll, I'll tell you this: there is a good effect from a meat effigy, and there is a bad effect from okay. a meat effigy. <laughs> I like where that goes. What about bees? I've died by bees a few times. Am I supposed to uh, put on like a bee hat and get a bug nest? And train bees. What what should my relationship with bees be? Uh, in the beginning, stay away. Okay. <laughs> uh, what about uh, merms and f- those fro- uh, pigmen? Anything I uh, need to know about them? Okay. Now the pigmen are absolutely essential uh, to fighting some of the later bosses. How are pigmen? Oh, because I need pigskin. Well, there's that, and there's also that you can actually have the pigmen help you. Oh, like kite the boss back to the pig king or whatever, that kind of thing? Uh, well, yeah, but then, but they're also, uh, you can actually have them become friendly to you. <gasps> how do I do yeah. that? I want to be friends with pigmen. Spoil that for me, Nick. Tell me how to make friends with pigmen. Feed them. <laughs> how do you feed them? What do they like? What do pigmen like to eat? It, same th- you, same thing really that a normal pig would eat. So Except, I, of course, in the don't starve world. Ah, so basically, I take food from my inventory and I click on a pig with it, and it feeds the pig. Uh, it, it, it you can either give it to them or you can just even throw it around on the ground. Oh, I love uh, no, knowing that. Because yeah. I felt I've always felt so. I just thought you could attack them. I've, I've wanted to make friends with them, and I've always felt so bad about feeling that. Oh, I guess they're just another resource for me to kill. Okay. Are merms worth trying to interact with? And actually, should I even bother going in the swamp? Because another one of my favorite things to discover was those tentacles. And by favorite, I mean most hated. <laughs> <laughs> so, are, should I do any? Should I bother with merms, or are they just uh, 
sort of squatters out in the swamp that I steer clear of. Uh, I know the merms do something, but I, I haven't figured, and I haven't spoiled myself on that one either yet. Okay, okay. Um, uh, okay, so m- let me make a list here. Crockpot is number one. Uh, make friends with pigs is number two. It's good to know. Uh, <laughs> I think that uh, that's the same thing in life, though, isn't it? It is. Oh, and also in life and in Don't Starve, uh, steer clear of bees early in life and yeah. in, in the game. Okay, Stay away good. from bees, get a crockpot, make friends with pigs. <laughs> All right, good to know. Uh, all right, so I yeah, I'm still uh, deep into Don't Starve. I'm really digging it uh, in ways that I haven't liked other crafting, procedurally generated survival games. Uh, did either of you ever play a game on the? I think it's only on the Nintendo DS called Lost in Blue. Does that ring any bells for either of you? I did not. So Lost in Blue came back. I think when when the, the TV show Lost was at the height of its popularity, and it was a Japanese game about two kids uh, basically stranded on an island, like shipwrecked on an island, and it was very survival-oriented. It had crafting. It had survival. It wasn't procedurally generated, of course, but it's kind of like a Zelda game based on kids shipwrecked on an island, and you have to, like, get food, and I think you played one of these two. They were kids or teenagers, and you had to, like, comfort the other teenager to make sure that she didn't get too despondent. Um, you explored the island. I, I think there were three games, and if I'm not mistaken, on at least... Two of them, the island was also inhabited by bandits, which was very much a sense of kind of like Lost, had the others already living on the island, the TV show. Uh, so I remember the Lost in Blue games really liking those a lot, but it became a, it was more of a Japanese RPG take on this. Uh, and that's part of what I really like in uh, Don't Starve, is that, that survival aspect. Um, all right, so uh, Don't Starve uh, is uh, available now. We have Caves coming, I think, in about a week. Um, and uh, steer clear of bees, make friends with pigs, and uh, build a crock pot. That's our advice to you. So uh, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with uh, some quick news of the game, news of the week, and uh, games of the week. If you like Korean pop sensation Kara, we have just the game for you. Bobblehead Battle proudly presents the faces and signature looks of Yuri, Seung-yong, Hara, Ji-yong, and Nicole. The girls of Kara will join the battle across a variety of wacky arenas in this free-to-play sensation. Bobblehead Battle is a real-time shooting game with wacky and collectible toy characters based on original and licensed IPs, including Doopy and Boopy from Thailand's popular show Joy Room Time Afternoons. Rick, Shane, and Lori from AMC's The Walking Dead, and political figures including New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, New York Times columnist Maureen Dodd, and Chairman of the Federal Reserve Ben Bernanke. All available now for purchase in the Bobblehead Battle Shop. Bobblehead Battle, now with 100% more K-pop. And we are back. McMaster, where do we go from here? Uh, I don't know which is the way that's clear. Oh, um, uh, sorry. I thought you were doing something there. All right, uh, let's do some news. hey All right, McMaster, start us off. What do you got for news of the week? Uh, Warren Spector made a bunch of people mad and then said he was sorry, and I don't think some of them care. What did Warren Spector do to make people angry? Did it have anything to do with the camera controls in Epic Mickey? Uh, no. It should have. Um, 
Uh, actually, I think just making the camera controls and Epic Nicky made a lot of people mad. So, um, no, they they announced the new world order for Wolfenstein, and Warren on his Facebook posted, "Did the world really need another Wolfenstein game? Did we need a generically dark, monochromatic FPS kill the Nazi giant robot game? Uh, no, the world did not. I am so tired of stuff like this." Oh, and could we all just agree we'll never use the generic gravelly whisper trailer voice guy ever again? And one more thing. Please stop using Jimi Hendrix to promote your adolescent male power fantasies. Thank you. I'm done. And he links to the new Wolfenstein trailer. Well, well, I guess some of the press members that are on Warren's Facebook friends list uh, pushed him under an epic Mickey bus. And uh, he got quoted on a bunch of websites and made some people angry. So Warren posted a uh, kind of a retraction uh, that's quite wordy. I'm not going to, well, hell, I could now. I'm not going to repeat it here. But uh, he says he's sorry and uh, he, he has no sour grapes and uh, he... Uh, He's not trying to be a jerk. And, uh, yeah. McMaster, how do you feel about what Warren Spector said about the Wolfenstein game? Uh, personally, it doesn't hurt my feelings at all because I'm not a giant crybaby. <laughs> it's like I don't understand what pe- why people care what Warren has to say about a Wolfenstein game. Like, if you look at some of the comments on here, I'm on his. <laughs> I'm just looking at this. There's some of the comments are like, "Well, I've never heard of you, but I'm never going to buy any of your games." Like, well, who gives a damn? If you've never heard of him, keep going, man. You know, it's not like you're probably going to run into anything of his anytime any soon. You know, it's like he's uh, the man's allowed his opinion, but that doesn't mean anything to you. Personally, I would hope, unless you're on the Wolfenstein team, and then really, you know, what do you care to? I kind of wish that more developers would speak more frankly about other games. I can understand why they don't, um, but what I like about what Warren has said here, even though I personally disagree, I I think it's a little glib to dismiss this game based on those comments. There are far more important things to know about this new Wolfenstein, like who's making it, what kind of game will it be. I couldn't care less about the, the palette or the guy voicing the trailer. But what I like about what Warren Spector is doing here is he seems to be the Steven Spielberg voice of video gaming in that Spielberg was there early on. He made some uh, amazing masterpieces. He informed how we make video games, uh, how we make movies, what we feel about movies, how movies are sold. Um, Spielberg was hugely influential in that and has since then gotten older and softer and more sedate and more geared towards grandfatherly pursuits like kid-friendly stuff. And I feel like we're seeing some of the same things going on with Warren Spector. Now, as this softer, more grandfatherly voice of video gaming, he's out there speaking out against violent games, and and I feel like that's a valuable voice, and I encourage that, even if you disagree with it. I like that we have someone like Warren saying that kind of stuff, raising these concerns. Um, And I I wish he, you know, wouldn't have backed off. You know, stick to your guns. I I guess it's, again, that's harder to do if you're a developer, and if people like Kotaku or whatever are going to pick up your Facebook comments and run with them, which is fair game. Um... But I like that he's out there saying that sort of thing. 
You know, it's and I, I think I, I mean I know what you're saying, but I don't know if that's entirely what he's saying uh, completely. Is that he really just doesn't? I don't think he's against violence so much in this particular post as much as just it's another generic first-person shooter. Okay. I, I think really that's what he's saying in a lot of ways. However, I, I, I get what you're saying though. Well, he was quoted, I think, uh, as speaking out specifically about violence in games about a year or so ago. Uh, yes. So, so maybe I'm just unfairly connecting that. But, right. Uh, yeah. So I, I wish more people would speak as freely as Warren Spector spoke. Oh, but then yeah, they'd I, have to yeah. then they'd have to post an apology. So, all right. It's just, it's just so ridiculous. Uh, I really don't think he needed to, to be honest with you. It's, Nick, how do you feel about the new Wolfenstein game? Well, I'd, first I'd like to say that Warren Spector has a terrific beard. Yes. So stately. stately. Warren, if you're listening, you have a stately beard, my friend. I mean, it, it looks like something straight out of uh, Bioshock Infinite. Yeah. It's a great beard. Is it like uh, a Comstock beard? What kind of beard is it? Is I, I, I Last I saw him, it was like a close-shaved kind of Spielberg-y thing. Is it getting wilder? What's going on with his beard? No, no, it's still, uh, it's still Spielbergian, but it's just... It's slightly more regal. Yeah, yeah. The, right. the way the gray it's fuller to it, yeah, mm. it's delicious. Yeah. Oh, jeez. If it were on a cake, I'd eat it. I'm sorry. That's gross. That is gross. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no. Uh, as far as Warren Spector's opinion on Wolfenstein, I think, yeah. I mean, I, obviously, it got blown up, and I, I, I feel bad that you know his Facebook comments got tossed out into uh, into the fanboy <laughs> mob. Um, but I, you know, I feel that even though, even though he has mellowed out, and yeah, even though Epic Mickey and Epic Mickey Two had their share of issues, uh, I, I don't think he's wrong when he says that. You know, yeah, I, I wish, I wish game makers did, you know, spend more of that kind of big-budget money on, uh, if not strictly family-friendly, at least, you know, something different. Mm-hmm. You know, first-person shooter, Nazis. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like almost to the point where I can I can go back to Nazis now because of the zombies. So, like, I, I think maybe <laughs> it, it might be too soon, or is it? Is it daring and uh, trend-setting? You know, I, you just got to ask yourself these questions. I mean, it's, oof. Well, Bethesda can't very well not do something with the Wolfenstein license. What are they going to do, make a new IP? That's crazy talk. It's not like all the, the games in the Wolfenstein series are that bad either. I mean, even the new, some of the newer ones were okay. It's just, uh, you know... Right. Yeah, and I mean, more importantly, they have to do something with that id tech. Yes. <laughs> and nobody <laughs> wants a Rage 2. We're not going to be seeing that anytime soon. Electric Boogaloo. All right, so if you have an opinion on Warren Spector's comments, go to his Facebook page and uh, post them there. <laughs> I'm sure he'd love I'm to hear them. I'm sorry, Warren. <laughs> uh, Nick, what do you have for news of the week? What's going on for you in video gaming this week? Okay, first of all, everyone take a deep breath. Hold on to yourselves. 22 Cans and Peter Molyneux 
have announced that Curiosity has only 50 levels to go. Oh, my God. What's a level? Wait, explain. I don't know. Is that close? Is that far? I I don't understand what you said at all. (laughs) Is this a matter of decades or hours? What's going on? Talk to me, Nick. I'm worried. Okay, so a little background. So uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Peter Molyneux uh, and uh, 22 Cans, which is his company, started after leaving uh, Lionhead. Uh, Their first big project or first big public project is an app mobile game called Curiosity. In Curiosity, players basically tap at a cube to chip away at it. So if you can think of Minecraft, where you're just digging. Digging one cube. (laughs) You're just digging one place, right, right. You're just digging in one place, and you're just digging. Uh, so apparently, and you can you can look this up. I don't know. There's like ten to a billion cubes in this thing, and it's made up of tiny cubes, and it, it, they call them cubelets. And you're supposed to chip away. But they the primary thing you need to know number one is Peter Molyneux, in his normal understated way, said that at the center of the cube would be something, and I quote life-changingly amazing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and now, people have interviewed him later, and they've given him a chance to walk that back, and he has stuck to his guns. Mm-hmm. He has said, no, it is life-changing amazingly. This is this is not like previously when he said things about black and white that didn't come to pass, or fable <laughs> that didn't come to pass, <laughs> or, or that everything everything. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he maintains whatever it is at the center is going to be life-changingly amazing. Uh, the only other thing that's – well, it, it's interesting to me was uh, a short while ago, they had added a in-app purchase in which players could basically troll all the other players by adding cubes back to the game. <laughs> Let me tell you, though, if you're going to troll people like that, it should be taxed. So I love the fact that you have to pay to troll people like that. Yeah, it's true. Well, yeah, and there's there's even uh, to play the game normally, if you just want to tap at it like a crazy person, uh, that's free. You can just you can just get on there and just go ahead and tap away, uh, and it's free. But you can, in-app purchase again, buy, you know, quote, pickaxes, uh, which allow you to get rid of uh, cubes faster, Uh so, uh, so for example, uh, they announced this yesterday, uh, and today, I believe, if you look at the cube, uh, there are supposedly 34 layers left, 33 oh. or so layers. Okay. Uh, and uh, actually, they were talking about uh, this is this is a bit of a buzz on the mobile gaming forums uh, that apparently tons of people are logging in buying. Uh, the very cheap add cube ability and just adding cubes to it to slow this down. Mm-hmm. Nobody so. wants a life-changingly amazing thing to come to light. <laughs> that's you know, that's not good. Well, there's, a lot, I, there's a lot of conservative. The, the conservative movement among video gamers is strong. They don't well, want you know strange. change is painful. Right. We need more reactionary video gamers to get in there and chip away at the cube and, and open it up, right? McMaster, can you get on that later tonight, by the way? Oh, yeah, I'm on it. Yeah, I'm you know what? Actually, McMaster, not you. Put Sarah to work on that. Her sense of devotion and commitment to various games, 
she's just what we need to get to the heart of this life-changingly amazing thing, McMaster. Uh, yeah, no, you're probably right. Now, the other thing that's great about this is he has said that whoever gets to the center, whoever does that last cubelet and reveals whatever it is at the center, uh, is the only person that's going to get to see it. And then it's up to them whether or not they want to tell anyone else. McMaster, what would Sarah do if she was the one to get it? I'm, I'm, I'm having second thoughts about putting her on this. She would probably lord it over you somehow. Mm, yeah, tell her not to play this game. Tell her to keep, <laughs> tell her to stick with Don't Starve. Yeah, I don't, I don't need that kind of uh, grief in my life. <laughs> no? uh, so wait, what was this thing then, uh, Nick? You opened with some announcement about. Uh, Peter Molyneux and 22 Cam said something about 50 layers, or what was the deal? Yeah, so there's, I guess, uh, different layers to this cube. Each layer has like a, a couple million cubelets. Right. Um, and supposedly now there's, well, yesterday it was 50 levels. Now I guess it's like 30, 34 levels that are left. Oh, so uh-huh. like this could be opened up within a matter of days? Is that what this is? Is that the, the, the basic gist of, of your news story? Well, they had said that it would be uh, open uh, pretty quickly within a couple weeks, but uh, now that a bunch of people have started logging on and adding ah, cubes to it, right. <laughs> apparently that's slowing down. Nick, how do you feel about the fact that uh, if this is a great big prank, you are completely playing into Peter Molyneux's hands by bringing it up as your news story of the week? Yeah, jerk. Well, I feel as good as when I did uh, when I paid full price for black and white. And Fable, oh, Fable Two, nice. Fable Three. All right, Fable Two was pretty good. Come on, I even liked Fable Three. You could, uh, you could be. Uh, an, it was like the Industrial Revolution. You could be a jerk. You could exploit people for labor. You could conquer another kingdom. You could. You know what? I'm going to totally go to that for Fable of, Three. I liked part of Fable Three. It just took way too long to get started. That was like my biggest complaint. Is it took, like, I don't know, 12 hours or That's something? Great. That's great coming from the guy who's defending Minecraft. Nice work. <laughs> well, yeah, I knew what I was getting into with Minecraft. <laughs> All right, so uh, what's this thing called? Curiosity? Curiosity. Isn't there, a, isn't there some science fiction movie where the ship is called Curiosity? Am I thinking of, what am I thinking of? Or a probe or something? Probe, is that one of the Star Treks, maybe? Oh, yeah, there's a probe, all right. Yeah. Yeah, we know about your probes. No, there's some science fiction thing. Whatever, dude. It's the Discovery in 2001, but what's the... There's a ship called the Curiosity, whatever. All right, I'm going to look this up, and people... You know what? I bet there's people... It's called the Dandy Faffer. (laughs) I like that. You know what? I'm going to write that down as the name of my next ship in the next game that lets me name a ship. Dandy Faffer. Is that F-A-F-F-E-R, McMaster? Uh, It's whatever one you prefer. I don't know. The one that's not quite as filthy as it sounds. P-F-A-F-F-R sounds slightly better. Yeah, Yeah, that's like Pfizer. Uh, Speaking of dandy faffers, whatever those are, my news of the week is there was a... uh, So we record this podcast on a Wednesday. Last Tuesday was known as Black Tuesday in Diablo 3, which had a bit bit of a financial collapse. Um, Actually, I don't even know if that's a fair way to put it. It had a financial snag or hitch or hiccup um a patch came out that added uh bonus experience points and and i think a magic find bonus 
for uh, cooperative multiplayer games, basically incentivizing multiplayer, retuned some of the classes, as Blizzard will do with the patches, and it also introduced a glitch where if you put up a certain amount of money for something on the auction house, uh, what I had been told, I haven't verified this, is that if you put up over 1.7 billion gold, or million gold, I forget, more gold than I'll ever have, uh, and then you retract it, uh, it never takes the money out of your account in the first place, so you can basically just double your gold. Um, mm. So at any rate, it was a glitch that let people dupe gold, and it introduced, uh, Blizzard hasn't said, but various commenters on the Blizzard forums, which are worth their weight in salt, uh, have basically said it introduced either alternately millions, billions, quadrillions of gold into the economy. And part of what happened is that things on the auction house were bought up um, and that prices were crazily inflated, which is inflation. That's what happens when you just mint a bunch of new money into an economy. And to hear various people talk, uh, the, comp- the economy of Diablo 3 was completely broken, and they're going to quit playing forever, and they're done with this game. Uh, uh, wow, wow. Now, I have no idea... <laughs> I have no idea how dire it was, but you can clearly see that prices of gems have gone up. Gems tend to be a commodity. Like, you can't necessarily look at magic items on the auction house because that that can be so variable, but you can look at gems as a uniform indicator of the the economy. Uh, And gem prices definitely increased like crazy over the course of this glitch. I don't know if they've since settled down. Um, Blizzard shut the auction house down. I think there were at least five hours where this glitch was known, was publicized, where the auction house was still open, where people were able to take advantage of the glitch before the auction house was taken offline. Um, so the auction house was taken offline uh, only after this glitch was, was in the wild for several hours. Uh, Blizzard has closed several accounts. Um, I, it, it's clear at this point they're probably not going to do any sort of a rollback. So whatever money was introduced into the economy, I don't know what they can do about that. Uh, so it, it seems like even though accounts were closed, even though the auction house were taken, was taken down and the glitch was fixed, there has been some irreparable damage done to the Diablo 3 economy. Now, the degree of the damage, we don't know for sure. Different people will tell you different things. At this point, there's been no official statement from Blizzard about the degree of damage. Um, but whatever happened, it was a colossal screw-up yesterday, um, and some people benefited enormously from it. Some people suffered from it. Uh, guys like me who are happy to be sitting on 200,000 gold, uh, my 200,000 gold is worth a lot less than it was uh, two days ago. Um, so yesterday was a Black Tuesday in Diablo 3. Now, to be fair, if you don't use the auction house, if you just play Diablo 3 as a game about getting your gold and and getting loot, and I don't know what you would spend the gold on, this won't affect you. But if you do partake of the larger economy in Diablo 3, there's no denying this will have some effect. Don't know how much of an effect on you, but it will have some effect. Um, well, you know, and yes. I think it sucks that, uh, you know, some people are going to get screwed on that. But, uh, you know, how the hell did Blizzard manage that one? You know, like, I thought that was the whole freaking point. McMaster, it's really hard to make video games. It's really difficult to do. It's a lot of hard work. You have to do a lot of, uh, like, like, you have to do a lot of programming. You have to, uh, you have to do, uh, yeah, coding. You have to do coding, McMaster. And I don't, who knows how to do that? That's like, yeah, it's like theology. It's like a mystery. You know, you just sort of poke around at it and stuff happens. So, right. No, I got you. Yeah, like SimCity. 
you know, who could have ever gotten that right? It's like impossible. You just hope for the best. You you put your game out there, and if it doesn't work, oh well. Yeah, go yeah. back to the drawing board. <laughs> no, it's just like I thought that was the whole point of their online system. The entire point. It is kind of funny, isn't it, McMaster, that... Yeah. That in SimCity, the whole selling point is this interactivity of cities, and it doesn't work. It falls apart completely. Diablo 3, I mean, I think Blizzard has mostly done very well with Diablo 3 with selling yeah. the online component, but for them to screw that up, uh, oh, you know, it gets all to things. Yeah, yeah. It gets to the heart of is this really uh, an asset? Is this really added value? Or is it's, it just another weak point that can fall apart completely and, and scuttle the experience? Right, it's it just like it, it completely shows that no matter what, their online auction house wasn't quite the hit they expected it to be. I think they've even said something to the effect of we didn't fully understand what it would do to the kind of like it seems if you listen to the stuff coming from the folks who made Diablo three, if you listen to some of their comments, they claim that they were caught a little unawares by the effect the auction house would have, which right. I I. I hear that, and I, I want to hear that in good faith and believe what's being said. But I'm a little I'm a little astonished that they could be caught unawares by the impact of something when so many of us who heard about it in advance were kind of going. Like, um, that's a really bad idea. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that's the thing. Blizzard has, you know, I, I don't know exactly how many people were working on Diablo three versus whatever else they got going on a at Blizzard, lot. but they, they've got a. It was a lot of people, mm-hmm. and I'd say a lot of them are very smart people. So, yeah, when you when you hear that statement that you know, hey, we didn't we didn't quite think the auction house was going to have you know this kind of negative effect on the gameplay. Yeah, you kind of scratch your head. <laughs> never, I believe this brings to mind the saying: uh, "Never attribute to ignorance what can be described with corporate malice." Nice. I, I butchered that somehow, but I think folks listening might know what I was getting at better than I did. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and and also as far as like letting a glitch like that through, they're so careful about running these public test realms uh, in advance when they're going to patch things. I I'm just surprised that something that significant made it live and went unchecked for so long. It was literally there were people talking about this on the forum for, for literally hours. There were live streams of people playing, showing you how to do this, doing it themselves over the live streams. Uh, how is it that that doesn't get shut down immediately? Yeah, quicker uh, than what they did. It's not like they don't have people checking that. You know? <laughs> maybe, McMaster, they were at lunch, though, to be fair. Maybe they were taking a long lunch. Back. <laughs> that's, that's a hell of a lunch. <laughs> sometimes you're really hungry, and sometimes you got to run home after lunch and maybe check something. Or yeah, I, I'm sure they had errands to run that day, McMaster. You never know. They they were probably all caught up in uh, one of those uh, ceremonies where they give each other the swords and the armor and whatnot. Ah, right. They have those to do. Maybe there was a, a guild raid. You know, they were guild raiding in World of Warcraft. Or yeah, uh, yeah you know, maybe a. You know, they were working on their ranking in StarCraft 2. They're very busy over there. They've got a lot of distractions. Oh. Yeah. Play, playing uh, Warcraft Heroes, the card game. Yeah, that's a thing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That thing, you got to test that, you know. I'm sure they had to pull employees from other places. So. I need to go. Uh, McMaster, how much gold do you have in Diablo 3? I don't actually remember. It's been a while since I logged in. Uh, I had a, a lot. I remember that. But, mm. Do you have more than 200,000? 
Oh, more than likely, yeah. Well, no one cares. Nick, how much gold do you have in Diablo 3? <laughs> more than 200,000? Uh, slightly more. I've, I've never gone higher than half a million, though. So when you when you say things like 1.7 million to even right. make the dupe happen, I think, yeah, all right, have at it. <laughs> it was definitely something. It was, this this glitch was definitely a gift only for the high end, like hardcore players. Yeah. The more casual amongst us, it wasn't for us. It was like a tax break for the rich. You know, it was sort of like a a, a government tax loophole that only the one percent could benefit from. It was a very Mitt Romney style glitch, I would say. Yeah. But but now those are the guys that are going to pay if they're going to get banned. That's true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So suck it, hardcore Diablo three players. Uh, Occupy Battle.net. <laughs> uh, I did play for several hours last night. I did a thing where I'm like, I'm just going to log on real quick and sort of look at one of my characters and uh, maybe go up one level. And ended up just playing for several hours and just completely. I, God, I, I'm such a sucker for what Diablo three does well. Which is just the leveling up and working my, you know, working my way through the acts and, uh, God, I just, I, I really like that game. For all the things they screwed up, man, they just got so much right as far should, as I'm uh, concerned. You should go to Whimsy Shire with me. The heck I is that? It. Is that that pink unicorn place you yes. tried to take me to? McMaster, I have no desire to go in there. It just, <laughs> it's just, it's like eating cotton candy. It just gives me a stomach ache. <laughs> well, you know, the plans alone for the last stuff I bought was 500,000 gold. Well, I am about two fifths of the way to being able to afford that. So, but that's the last one. You have to buy like several other hundred thousand gold components. So, just... okay, you know what? When I need to go, I'm just going to have you give me a ride. Is that okay? I figure. Yeah, I figure that out. I'll, I'll just hitch with you. All right. So that's our news of the week. Uh, oh, also, real quick, news of the week. Uh, there is a uh, House of the Dead Overkill port for the iPad. And now, House of the Dead yes. Overkill was originally a Wii game. Uh, it's a light gun game. But wait, wait, don't go before you write it off. It is one of the best written games I have ever played. I mean, I, I seriously, awesome. it is awesome. And without any hint of snarkiness or sarcasm, I feel that as far as writing goes, it is every bit as good as any Portal game, for instance. Uh, it's an absolutely ingeniously written game. So it's available now for the iPad. But wait, there's a catch. Sega didn't just put this up on the iPad and sell it to you for $4 or whatever. Oh, it God. has, yep, get ready for this, McMaster. It has in-app purchases. Nice. Chapters, I guess. Not chapters. Uh, if you if you buy what's called cash, and this is spelled with a K. Don't oh, well, not naturally. I mean, yeah. Let me see. Uh, you can buy upgrades for your weapons with this, these, uh, with this cash, which I think you can earn in the game, but you can also buy it with an in-app purchase, which I just think, ugh, what a terrible thing to do to a great game. So, Sega, you get my Jerk of the Week award. Um, all right, let's go to Games of the Week. Well, Jason T. McMaster, what would you pick as your Game of the Week on the week of May 8th, 2013? Man, it's kind of a tough one. I've been playing a few things lately. Okay, uh, not World of Warcraft. Scratch that one off your list. All right, that one's gone. Um, not Starcraft. Uh, scratch off that one. All right. Scratch off uh, D- Delete Diablo 3. What about uh, Bobblehead Battles? Uh, well, you know, they, they did sponsor this podcast, so but it can't be your game of the week because that would be a conflict of interest. I've been playing Doopy and Boopy a lot. <laughs> All right. Jeez. Um, well, I guess that leaves me with Injustice, Gods Among Us. 
That is, uh, hmm, that sounds like some kind of uh, crazy adventure game where you have a great moral quandary, uh, and it maybe ties themes of religion into it, uh, and law, society, order, that kind of thing, right? Absolutely correct. No, <laughs> it's, it's where Superman can punch Catwoman, period. Correct. <laughs> um, All right, so you've been playing that. Tell me about it. It's, um... Uh... It's pretty cool. Uh, as a fan of the Mortal Kombat game that those guys did, uh, it it delivers pretty well. Um, I haven't played uh, as much as I'm planning on, but um, I, I'm really enjoying the story mode, which is quite lengthy. <laughs> and uh, did you play through the story mode? I did, yeah. That story, uh, like Mortal Kombat, you know, Mortal Kombat. Oh, Lord, it's absolutely ridiculous. But I just like the idea of it, I guess, the story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, and, it's a cool feature. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, there's definitely, uh, it's a story. I'll give it that. <laughs> oh, oh, it's a story. Yeah, no, God, the Mortal Kombat one is, like, ludicrous. Um, not like this one isn't, my God. But, uh, no, I, I really enjoy the, uh, the production quality. Uh, of the games uh, to an extent. Uh, yeah, I wish Mark Hamill still did uh, voiceover work. We'll put it that way. It is weird hearing this new guy doing the Joker because I'm very aware, hey, this isn't the Joker from the Arkham Asylum and Arkham City games. Right. It feels What's... weird to, to hear that. Uh, and I feel yeah. like I can sort of understand like comic book nerds who didn't like what they did to the Mandarin in Iron Man 3, for instance. They're very upset about that. And I loved Iron Man 3, so I'm like, whatever. But when I play Injustice and I hear the Joker, I'm like, wait a minute, that's not the Joker that I know. Yeah. This is, I'm indignant. I'm going to make an angry post somewhere. That's, so I kind of understand that. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Um, but, uh, yeah, I do enjoy it. And uh, specifically, uh, some uh, DLC came out uh, that added Lobo. Oh, who is Lobo? Lobo is a big blue dude that shoots and kills everything. What? Like like an like the people in Avatar? Uh, you <laughs> no? Like, uh, like guy in like this like Billy Crudup in Watchmen? No, no, he's Nick, just is he a like, wolf man? I don't think so. Nick, no, Nick, wolfmen aren't blue. What's the matter? Well, with you? His name's Lobo. Yeah, but it might be an ironic name. Hey, it's is, he, is he a smurf? It's, it's kind of hard to explain, Lobo. Uh, it's it's kind of like the, it's ultra violent and uh, very bloody and very tongue in cheek. Is Lobo like Wolverine, that kind of guy? Although that's more yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, uh, but he uses guns and uh, knives and runs over things and uh, punches things to death. Uh, it, it, it's very Gonzo. McMaster, sounds like you're not really hip to the origin story of Lobo. It's McMaster, uh, I need you to do I need you to bone up on your lore. No, I'm <laughs> But anyway, Lobo he smokes a cigar and is angry. Uh but uh anyway. Oh he, I like uh, that. You know what? I, I'm sold. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> um Yeah, look him up. But he's uh, uh but they added him to the game. I was just uh, kind of curious about it because uh, I had a few of his comic books in the nineties. Uh, when they kind of reintroduced him. I think he was originally introduced in earlier comics. I don't remember where, but he kind of had a, a short run as a weird murderer, I guess. I, I don't really know what you would call him. 
But, is um, he kind of like the members of Blue Man Group? Is it like that? Yeah, if they like to murder people, I guess that would... <laughs> so uh, just like them. <laughs> as far as we know, that's right. These guys are a little disturbing. Uh, so, McMaster, you're mainly playing the story mode. Uh, have you, for instance, played any uh, head-to-head against Sarah, for instance, your wife? Have you guys played any uh, multiplayer? No, no, I have not. Um, but... No, I really like the uh, I really like their special moves, but specifically I like all the uh, level interactions, and I, I love their super moves, uh, at least the ones I've seen so far. McMaster, if you come over to my house and play Injustice: Gods Among Us with us, I will choose Aquaman, and I will give you the what for with a shark. You know the thing about Aquaman? Yes, is McMaster. They made him too powerful in that game. Really? I for I think it's entirely realistic. I feel that Do they. You? That's exactly how Aquaman should be. Well, yeah. You know what? what's funny about it is that Aquaman couldn't really, say, make a ton of water appear in the middle of nowhere with a shark in it. I'm pretty sure that Injustice Gods Among Us uh, contradicts that, McMaster. And I believe that game is canon. I don't believe that DC would let NetherRealms put that in the game if it wasn't realistic. It's like uh, it's like old Custer, you know. We all know Custer died at the Battle of Little Bighorn, but what, what this game presupposes is maybe, <laughs> maybe you right. didn't, right? Uh, but yeah. Uh, so, who's your favorite character, Master? Who do you like playing? Let's say that you you come over to my house and I'm going to be like, Master, I'm going to give you the what for with Aquaman. Who are you going to choose? Oh, it's kind of a hard choice, but I, I want to say. Hal Jordan, maybe, or the Joker. I've been enjoying the Joker. Hal, wait, Hal Jordan. Who that? That sounds Ooh. like some stand-up comic from the, from the thirties. Hal Jordan. What oh, you- I'm sorry. I guess uh, the proles might know him as uh, Green Lantern. God, his name is Hal. <laughs> That's a terrible yes. name for Hal. Good he, Lord. he controls the power green. All right, let's not dig too deep into it. A guy knit with a magic ring named Hal Jordan. All right. So if you said Green Lantern, so he's the guy who makes these constructs. Like he can make a gun. He can make a bus hit you. He can make uh, anything out of green. Mm, he can't make anything that protects him from the great white shark that will eat him when uh, Aquaman summons well, the I mean, yeah, no. But, you know, I also fought uh, – who? oh, God. Who is the god that you fight as Aquaman? Uh, Allah. No, it's not Allah. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Namor? I don't... Uh, what, oh, how do you fight? Uh, you know, he's uh, like, Neptune. It's not Neptune. I don't know. You fight a god as Aquaman? I don't know. Yeah, uh, you know, after you go down to your fancy base and you fight yourself. <laughs> your fancy base. <laughs> oh, trust me. Aquaman doesn't have a non-fancy base. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, fight a god? Yeah, you fight yourself, and then afterwards, it's like... Bane? Is it Bane? No. Captain Nemo. Raiden. I like that. Loki or somebody shows up. I I love what experts we are on the DC universe here. Uh, Yeah. um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, McMaster, have you gone online against random online jokers with uh, Injustice? uh, no, No. Yeah, I don't recommend that. Um, yeah, I'm not planning on it. I'm not a big fan of uh, <laughs> getting my face punched in. Uh, uh, because that using... is exactly what would happen. Yep. Uh, are you using uh, a fight stick or are you using the gamepad? Ares, that's who. It's Ares. Ha. Ares? That's from God of War. What are you talking about? Oh, 
Oh no no no! I know who you're talking. It's one of the yeah. So it's uh, one of the characters. I have no yeah. idea who he is, but he's one of the guys that you. Okay, I, I know who you're talking about. Yep. Well, you know how Aquaman's kind of like a servant of Neptune or somebody. Well, that's Ares. So take it. Anyway, go ahead. Wait, what? Are you Aquaman, are you you're telling Wait, me what? Aqu- yeah, you're telling me that Aquaman's boss is one of the characters in Injustice. No, no, Ares is just kind of a god. I mean, uh, Aquaman works for, you know, the Toonster. The to- uh, Wait, he, I, I thought Aquaman was like... Go ahead. I, I thought Aquaman was like self-employed. I didn't realize that he had like a boss or a job. Or well, maybe he, he just, to- you know, I mean, he's always giving thanks to that. Maybe he's just a holy man. I don't know. Okay. I'm not a big Aquaman aficionado. That's that's your job. <laughs> I'll look into that for us. Uh, it's just... Uh, Okay, so uh, you're playing the story mode. You're not going to go online. You're afraid, rightfully so. Uh, you can't press your wife into service to play this. Uh, so that leaves those crazy challenges. Have you done any of those? No, I have not. I am looking forward to them, though. I was looking through them. Some of them look pretty cool. It's just uh, it's very Capcom. <laughs> well, I think it's more than Capcom, though, because I think NetherRealms puts single-player meat into the game that Capcom never really... Oh, yeah, no, had. I'm with you there. But, uh, but it is what very... I mean, Go ahead, sorry. Capcom is like, you know, the Street Fighter games and stuff like that. Uh, maybe, I don't remember if NBC3 does, but you, it has those training modes or challenge modes where you have to do all the special moves for a character and all the uh, different combos and stuff. Right, but I, I feel that what Injustice does way better than Capcom is they mix those up in, in the Capcom games, like Marvel vs. Capcom 3, I always felt like those were matters of, of me forced to get the timing down of certain combos. Oh, yes. uh, in Injustice, it's more like, hey, here's a little wacky thing where you have to catch three missiles and throw them back. Or where you have to uh, beat up Robin before he can get to the treasure bags. Or, or just crazy little tailored gameplay, like almost mini-games. Some of them are like that. Um, I just well, feel like they do a much better job of mixing it up than Capcom did. Okay, or Capcom I'm, just wanted absolutely. me to learn timing, I thought. Absolutely. And, I mean, a funny note about Injustice as compared to uh, Street Fighter is that the timing is, is very different. Like, in Injustice, you have to kind of just, like, really rush through all the uh, steps. There's There's hardly any pausing in it. So it's, it's kind of different. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're leaning to. So who is your favorite? Who did you say, McMaster? Uh, so far, I like uh, Hal and. Uh, oh right, right, Green Lantern, right? Yeah. We're calling him Hal. You guys aren't that close. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Hal. World's <laughs> the Halster. Uh, McMaster, what is Nightwing's name? Oh, wasn't that? Uh, <laughs> wasn't that Robin? Yeah, but what's his real name? Oh God! Which one was it? Go ahead. What's uh, he called in real life? What's his What's his actual name? Come on, McMaster. I'm trying to remember. Clark Kent, right? Clark Kent. Not, uh, it's Dick yes, Grayson. <laughs> All right. He's the one that didn't get beaten to death by the Joker. <laughs> the crowbar. Uh, Optimus Prime. How did you Nerds. Know that? How did I know that? Yes. McMaster, I'm totally I'm into comic book lore. I know a lot of oh. stuff about comics. You oh. may not realize that about me. Uh, yeah, that's because like the last five years has had a lot of comic book movies and comic book video games that don't suck. Right. Well, tr- so correct. Right. right. I mean, there's been comic book movies for a while that are just total ass, and comic book games were 
beyond ass and Thunderdome for quite some time. So. Right. In order to get me to know things about, like, say, Elektra and Catwoman, those movies that came out, those didn't have any, those just bounced off me completely. But once yeah. I start playing something like, uh, you know, Marvel Ultimate Alliance or even Injustice, oh, yeah. I think, or, <laughs> Uh, or Arkham City, uh, you know, suddenly, hey, I kind of care about these things, and they're interesting to know about. There's a, you know, the one thing that I really like about uh, what NetherRealms has done with this and the Mortal Kombat game is something that I wish Capcom would do more of, and they seem to have taken out, is, like, unlocking things. You know, in the older Capcom games, that was, like, a big part of the fun for me, was, like, trying to beat the games with certain characters in certain ways to, you know, get the boss characters, like, M. Bison or Balrog, whomever. Um, and they kind of took that out of, like, all the Marvel vs. Capcoms. Like, the, the Marvel vs. Capcom 2 Xbox Live release, everyone was unlocked from the get-go, which I thought was terrible. Well, you know where they've put that, McMaster. I mean, there's definitely a lot of unlockable stuff. This is in Marvel vs. Capcom 3. I'm pretty sure it's in Street Fighter. It's in Injustice. All that unlockable stuff is in this this silly Call of Duty model of making your badge and putting an icon on it. Yeah, logo, no, 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 no. Which yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, yeah, I couldn't care less about any of that. Uh, no. But that's where all the unlockable stuff is, where you're leveling up and earning levels, and I'm like, whatever. I, yeah, I got pretty far in Street Fighter Four. I played a lot there for a while, and you know, I mean, that, it was kind of fun to chase some of that stuff initially. But it, it's that wall of text, and I almost blame Lost Planet, but it's just this like completely <laughs> like ridiculous amount of stuff you can unlock, and none of it is interesting at all. Right. Well, in Lost Planet, they they sort of sprinkled in there a bunch of the weapons and power ups and abilities right. and stuff. Here, it's all just cosmetic stuff for the most well, part. Well, I yeah. mean, and to be fair, the older like Mortal Kombat games and even uh, the latest one has like the ludicrous amount of like who gives a shit kind of concept art unlocks, you know, and you know. But... Don't you care about the alternate costume for Catwoman though? Not really. All right, maybe you just haven't seen it yet. Maybe. I mean, hey, it could be great. I, I could go off here. Uh, all right, Nick, what's your favorite character in Injustice? M. Bison. He's awesome. <laughs> Love the guy. I, uh, I have not played uh, Injustice yet. All right, well, we are going to let you take... Who should we give him, McMaster? Well, I mean, it depends. If you want to go for lame factor, I mean, it's harder to go lamer than Robin, but, I mean... Not a big Shazam fan. The oh, Shazam, right, yeah. Billy Batson's pretty lame. Uh, so Who's that? Billy Bat? That's the guy from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. That's Shazam. That's his real name. Nah, that's Brad Dourif in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Billy Batson. Now, that, that Billy Batson, that's the uh, that's the kid, right? Yeah, hey, kid. You should be out bird-dogging chicks and banging <laughs> beavers. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, I'm still... Uh, also one of Adam Sandler's finest movies, by the way. Uh, Let's yeah. go to Nick. Nick, what do you have for your choice of Game of the Week, May 8th, 2013, better than any other game this week? What do you got for us? Oh, boy. So I have been playing Prime World Defenders. Oh, yeah. boy, yeah. Now that McMaster's not going to bring up some dippy little tower defense game, somebody's got to carry that. <laughs> hey, I've been playing it, too. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, am I, am I being unfair? Is it more than just a another tower defense game, Nick? So, 
Here's the thing <laughs> with Prime World Defenders, and I'm, uh, probably this will start the debate then. Uh, I So whenever there's a free-to-play game that comes out... This is free-to-play? Uh, no, no, it's oh. not free-to-play, but here's how I would describe it. Anytime there's a free-to-play game that comes out... Uh, you get that conversation where somebody says, oh, well, what's, you know, what's the business model of the game? Blah, 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 blah. Someone says, oh, well, there's in-app purchases, but it's all cosmetic, and there's only a few things you can buy that help you grind for XP. Like, they'll speed up XP grinding. But you don't have to pay for anything. You can play through the whole game absolutely free. You are not required to buy any of this stuff. Good to go. Mm-hmm. And Prime World Defenders feels like somebody made that game where it should have been a free-to-play game, but then they took out all the XP stuff and boosters and everything and said, well, here's your chance to prove that theory. Play this game and grind. So I can't buy cash with a K, for instance. There's no way I can throw more money at it to accelerate the, the rate that I get rewards, right? No. I'm just I'm stuck at a one given rate. All right, so how does that rate feel? Does it feel too slow? Does it work? Oh boy, does it feel slow to me? Mm. It feels so slow. So so the 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 primary game here is it's a uh, it's a tower defense game. The tower defense itself uh, is I would say serviceable, workmanlike. It's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, you but there is a map. That you move around on, you know, picking the different levels to go fight, uh, different difficulties of creatures and whatnot. Uh, but you also have this sort of card collecting mechanic, although mm-hmm. they're not really cards; they just look like cards. Uh, you collect these different towers and different boosters to make your cards more effective. Uh, but a lot of that depends on your experience and how much of these stars and like there's an in-game kind of cash that you unlock um, to buy. Uh, basically they're like buying random booster packs at a store. So here you go. You get a random booster pack. You can pick a couple cards out of it, see what you get. You know, you're going to wind up with a bunch of really terrible stuff and you're just going to continue to grind because of course you can't progress very far in the game unless you grind for better stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can't control what you're getting. There's a random distribution going on here? Uh, well, there is a little bit of a random distribution. I mean, you can, when you go to, uh, and they actually do call it a store in the in the game, <laughs> you can go to a store and you can spend your, uh, and I forget the little coins that you can gather in the game, you can spend them on different things. So they have like, oh, well, here's a rare card pack. So whatever you get right. out of this pack is going to be a little more rare than the normal card pack. Or you can get, you know, here's the one thing. It's not a pack. It's just one card, but it's guaranteed to be, you know, some kind of tower, a medium strength tower or whatever. Right. Um, and then there's a mechanic where you can combine cards. So you get these different cards. You can combine them and fuse them uh, and sort of level up the cards to make you know, like, let's say your tower hits harder or hits faster or whatever. Um, but it's super grindy, and it, and it really does feel like, yeah, I this is a game that probably should have been free-to-play. <laughs> uh, as it is, what, is it like a $10 standalone game? Is it like that kind of thing, like a budget-priced standalone game? Yeah, very budget-priced. In fact, I think right now it's like $12. Bucks. Uh, okay. it, it's still in beta, 
So, of course, you're going to get that argument, too. You're going to get the, hey, anything could change. It's in a beta. Yeah, whatever. So other than this grinding card mode, is the actual tower defense gameplay, are there any unique tweaks to it? And, and I ask because uh, I think next week a game called, oh, I want to say Anomaly 2. There might be another word in there. Oh, uh, uh, defense. Is it, they call it a tower offense game because rather than controlling yeah. the towers, you control – uh, the creeps or whatever you control a convoy, uh, and it. I really like what I've seen of this the sequel to it. The original game was kind of cool; it had a cool uh, concept to it, but it got a little tedious. I really like some of the changes they've made in the second game, and the actual playing of it feels different enough from a generic tower defense that I'm eager to jump into it. So I hear about something like this, Nick, and I think, well, that model sounds interesting, but is there anything unique in the actual tower defense gameplay to make it stand out? Like, should I play this instead of Anomaly 2? Uh, What's your judgment there? Uh, The actual tower defense meat of the game Mm -hmm. feels very bog standard to me. It's It it really is the, the very basics of you know, plop down a tower and and manage the creeps as they come in and block off lanes and just try to maneuver them into a semi-maze. Although, the thing is, the, the maps are so small, I, I don't even feel that there's a lot of opportunity for that. Mm-hmm. I, um, I will say that I like, uh, I like one thing about it, that you can, you can, like, force the waves to come pretty fast in that game, which is pretty challenging. How do you mean force them to come fast? Like, like trigger them early, that sort of thing. Uh, yes. So, like, you can constantly trigger waves to the point where some of them are running at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, and it just adds a lot of challenge, but you get extra rewards out of it, which I thought was kind of an interesting concept. Do you guys know the Toy Soldiers games? There's Toy Soldiers and then Toy Soldiers Cold War. Yes. Uh, yeah. Those kill a lot of tower defense games for me, too. Like, that and Orcs Must Die, too. Uh, like, I just sort of feel the moment-to-moment, the like, tower defense games that put in an action element, I kind of feel like this point of just, like, sitting over the field and dropping towers, that just feels passe to me now. <laughs> I want to get down in there and blow stuff up. And uh, Iron Brigade, the uh, the thing that Double Fine yeah, made. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's a good game. Or, or Sangfroid. Well, you know what? I don't. I barely even think of that as tower defense. But yeah, you're right. Uh, saying, saying, I, I need I think to it, play that more. I, I have it. I just haven't really messed with it yet. You do need to play that. And by the way, I think it's sang fwa, sang fwa, sang fui, sang fui. Yeah, you got And you got to put a little French twist to it. Sang fui. Well, when you go to Canada, you tell us. Is that what it's really like up there? Where every night you have to build defenses against werewolves? Yeah. Uh, I, I just I, the tower defense genre. There are just so many really good, exceptional designs that I hear about. I can't even think of the name. What was the name of the thing, Nick? Prime, Prime World, World Defenders, Defenders. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, which yeah. is a pretty awful name. So, isn't Epic making some sort of game like this too, where you build stuff up and defend yourself from zombies or something? McMaster, who isn't? Well, true, but when Epic does something, I usually pay attention. Uh, all right, so Nick, I, I love it when somebody picks a game of the week, not because they love it, but because it turned out not necessarily working for them. So it sounds like that's the case with Prime World Defenders. Yeah, I, I went into it with, uh, I think, higher hopes than I should have. Right. I'm sure it's no Don't Starve. No. 
Absolutely not. All right, my game of the week, I'm going to blow y'all's mind because you both are going to be way too late for this one. When I bring up my game of the week, you guys' heads might explode just from how how beyond you this game is. Uh, And unfortunately, you might be correct. This is not a game for the faint of heart. Uh, It's been called a spreadsheet, not necessarily inaccurate. Uh, This game is uh, Victoria 2. It just got an expansion called called Heart of Darkness. Uh, man, I love Victoria 2. I, I, I've been mulling over this idea, uh, and this sounds like exactly the sort of pretentious thing I would do, of writing an article about you know the 10 most important games of the 21st century. Oh. Um, I know, I know, Master, right? right? Wow. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what do you, I mean, there's a lot of ways you could play with that. Like, what does important mean? There's ways to call out games, not necessarily that, that did well or that people liked, but that had unique contributions. Uh, and, and at any rate, in thinking about, you know, what would I pick out to talk about in, in such a, um, in such an article, Victoria 2 clearly comes to mind for me. Uh, and what I love about Victoria 2, Paradox has made some very good games. The Europa Universalis series, a lot of people respond to the Crusader Kings games, which are brilliant. But for yeah. me, the one that stands out is Victoria and Victoria 2. And one of the reasons I feel that it's, it's the most important strategy game since Civilization is because... Civilization has influenced so much strategy game design, and I feel like Victoria 2 is the biggest innovation to come along to strategy games since Civilization. The reason being that it is based on modeling populations in a way that no other game has done this before, and in a way that reflects political realities, both of the Victorian era, of the Industrial Revolution, and even of modern the, the, the modern contemporary situation around the world. Uh, what Victoria does is rather than create a territory where you're mining resources and then you use those to placate your population and build a military, each territory consists of populations. And these populations are broken down into how many people belong to a given profession, religion, culture, what part of the, uh, the map they live in. Uh, there are these little nodes, and these nodes have competing demands that form political parties that expect certain reforms. Uh, it's sort of a grassroots, bottom-up model of strategy game versus the usual top-down god mode where you're plopping pieces on a map. Um, so what I love about Victoria and Victoria 2 specifically is how over the course of the game, these populations come to demand certain social reforms. Simultaneously, you are undergoing the Industrial Revolution and you are discovering factories and the creation of steel and, 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 and modern-day medicine and science. Uh, it's a dramatic period in terms of technological development and what this does to the prosperity of companies of countries, and it's paralleled by the demands of the populace, who want increasingly social reform and, and political reform. Uh, and I could talk all day about this, so I'll just sort of cut to the chase and say, uh, I, I love this game. I've really been enjoying rediscovering it with the Heart of Darkness expansion, which adds the last frontier of the colonial era, which is Africa, because by the time the game starts, which I think is 1836, uh, Pretty much every other place in the world has been claimed. All that's left is Africa to be divvied up by the great powers. Um, so they add that in the expansion, as well as this really cool model of diplomatic crises. Um, you know, in the previous games, wars would break out, of course, and there would be diplomatic interaction between different countries. 
But one of the things in Heart of Darkness is this sense that hot spots will appear around the world, and everybody has to weigh in an opinion on, I support side A or side B in this issue. And a lot of times the issues will diffuse, but sometimes no resolution is found, and they become wars. And sometimes these wars are huge, colossal world wars. Uh, so there's a whole new framework for crises in uh, Heart, of, Heart of Darkness. Uh, so that's my game of the week. I... It's difficult to learn. I can completely understand it bouncing off of certain people who just want to play the civilization model. But I honestly feel it is the most important strategy game since Civilization. And I would easily put it as one of the most important video games of the 21st century. So look for that if I ever get around to actually writing that article. Um, has anyone here played Victoria 2? Is it just me? Uh, you know, I played it very briefly. Uh, I have a copy, I believe. Through Gamersgate. Um. Uh, McMaster, you can be um, Belgium. Really? You can play Belgium. You would you would trust me with that? Well, I'll be the UK, so I'll be keeping you in check. Okay, good. I need someone to do that. Uh, Nick, you can be. Uh, let's give Nick. You can be Uruguay. Oh, nice. <laughs> so nice. I expect you to ship all of your uh, coal and fruit. To me, I'll be playing the UK. No, uh, no, I can't play the UK. No. Why not? No, I'm not? I'm not shipping it to you. I'm not shipping it to you. All right, well, we'll just come over there and occupy your country, and then see how you feel about that. No, you're oh. not going <laughs> to do. <laughs> yeah, please, please, Uruguay, small potatoes for the UK. We have no compunction about sending over. Actually, is Uruguay landlocked? I don't know that we can blockade you. Uh, I guess we're going to have to march into the, what is this, the Andes. We're going to have to march inland, but you know what? We'll be sending several dragoons. To uh, pay you a visit, Nick, and you demand that. You can try whatever you want. My my buddy Belgium, uh, <laughs> you know, is going to help me out. You know, it says here that Victoria Two has up to thirty two player multiplayer. Yep. Man, yeah, I, I don't see. We could totally do this. Oh gosh. The the problem with Paradox's games is multiplayer games, and I love that they support it, but the problem is the way you play a Paradox game is you slow or stop time, you fiddle with a bunch of little variables, and then you run time super fast for a while to see how it how it goes, and then you slow time, and any time you're fighting a war, like time has to slow down, you have to manage your armies, but any time you're waiting for some long-term technological development and there's not much going on, you just run at maximum time for years at a at a, at a period um managing that in multiplayer it just seems like it would be impossible i mean it the the pacing of a paradox game does not lend itself to multiplayer whatsoever um especially not with 32 players good lord uh sounds like a challenge you know what maybe yeah uh the three of us and 28 uh nine other people uh yeah we'll see if we can get that going (laughs) All right, so uh, you guys study up on how best to play Belgium and Uruguay. Uh, I'll be practicing the UK. Uh, and McMaster, what are we going to do for listeners next week? Bring them news and games from around the world. McMaster, can I be excused next week? Yes. Can I get Vicky to fill in for me? Yes. Okay. I guess. Yeah. So Vicky will be filling in for me. Uh, you guys will be bringing uh, news and games of the world. Uh, and uh, I think maybe you guys will be talking about what games coming out later this year you're looking forward to. Yes, something like that. All right, I look forward to All hearing right. about that. So, uh, folks, tune in for that next week. Uh, until then, this is uh, Tom Chick, Nick Diamond, and Jason T. McMaster 
signing out. Uh, McMaster, what what does the T stand for? Technicality. Master, I feel like you might know the name of this song. Uh, I do not. But <laughs> it's called uh, it's called Funeral. Is it by? Which made me think of. Uh, they're called Band of Horses. Uh, it, but anyway, it just made me think of uh, Don't Starve, in which I feel oh. like I'm constantly docking a game full of funerals. <laughs> not like so. not like Goodbye Horses by Q Lazarus. I don't know what that's a reference. Is that a, is that a comic book thing, Master? No, that's the Silence of the Lambs 80s song thing. <laughs> that works for me. That's good, too. 